ding. This is your captain speaking, a.k.a. Captain Death, the host of the Lots of Pasta podcast. I have a quick announcement to fucking make before we get into this episode here. I know this is random. I know this is out of nowhere, but so is my energy sometimes. And over this last weekend, I decided to make a Patreon account. I don't know why. I finally got over five and a half years of stubbornness and decided that, hey, maybe the podcast can be self-sustainable from this point forward and it would make making content a hell of a lot easier. Uh, I also made a coffee account for people who don't feel like signing up for a monthly subscription um, where you hand money to us repeatedly and maybe you just want to throw money at us one time, whatever. I don't care. I'll accept anything at this point. Consider me a prostitute. For your ear holes. Uh, There are five tiers of subscription services that you can sign up for on our Patreon. And they all have fun pasta-related names with fun little things that you get for each tier. The first tier, starting at $3, is just a basic support tier where you make sure that our content continues coming out. And it continues coming out the way it always has, which is ad and sponsor-free. And then the tiers do kind of increase with vocal shout-outs, actual credits on the YouTube videos, as well as being able to decide some of the stories that we get to read if you're on Patreon, and um, maybe even being vetted to come on an episode and talk with uh, me or talk with us, depending on who you want to talk to, um, or maybe even read a story with us. And, you know, there are some uh, things to read through over there if you want to check out Patreon and possibly become a subscriber for the Lots of Pasta podcast. And for this week's thank you or spank you, I have three very special people to fucking thank. And I'm going to go in order of subscribers because I think that's fair. Kitty, a.k.a. Taurus Filth, a member of our fucking crew, was the first person to subscribe to us. And that's fucking loyalty, people. She's drunk the Kool-Aid which was actually Flavor Aid, by the way. And uh, she's come back to life as a zombie, and she's still on the fucking boat, you know? Uh, secondly, I have Evan Gravino, who is uh, a little bit crazier than you might uh, at first suspect. I think you'd be surprised. Um, but uh, I've known him for a very fucking long time. And he's always supported my endeavors and always supported me. And we've always had a fun time getting fucked up together. So thank you for that. And lastly, a big fucking thank you to our newest subscriber, Trevor the Warefishy, who I think like probably holds the record for the fastest anyone has ever listened to the entirety of this show because he caught me on reddit i want to say like last year and said love the show been listening it's great i listen at work when i'm taking a shit and i was like yo that's cool and um i wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) and um he 
just signed up for the Patreon at our highest fucking level and said, oh, by the way, I caught up. <laughs> so here's your fucking shout out and uh, useless award. If you want to be a Lots of Pasta podcast Patreon subscriber, then you can find the link in our description of our videos or podcasts posted anywhere whether it's iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, you name it, the link will be there. Um, or search us at Lots of Pasta on Coffee or Patreon. Thank you for listening. And now, on to the episode. <laughs> We have such sights to show you. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Fuck you too! My dog has climbed up onto my lap and is making me hold him like a tiny baby. Aww, that's so much better than an actual child. I love it. <laughs> Who wants kids when you can have a little fur baby? Right? You're breathing. Exactly. You're breathing directly into the microphone, aren't you, bud? I thought you were talking to me and I was like, all right, bitch, like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I would call you out in a, in a less, in a less, you know, <laughs> shitty manner than that. I loved it. It was like passive aggressive, but like to your dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he climbed over to my, my like arm that reaches out from my desk and he just put his face right against the pop filter. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, we're not oh doing God. that. It's my favorite thing that my partner does is like try to uh, reason with our cats. Like he tries really, as if really they hard. would stand for such a thing. Right. Like, I mean, frankly, even if they could understand us, I don't think they'd be interested in reason. But no. he, he tries every time. And it's just so funny because he really talks to them. Like he talks to them very gently. He's like, no, like you have to understand that this is like not it's just not working, buddy. And it's like. This is where we enter negotiations and exactly. you need to see that you are. No, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're negotiating. You have to sit and you have to listen when we negotiate. You can't. Just I think listen. that's the funniest thing about that new game that just came out. Stray is because. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I haven't played it yet. I, I haven't either, but I know I know like loose plot wise, like. They set up the cat to be this kind of, like, Gordon Freeman, like, every man kind of out-of-nowhere hero of the apocalypse type of thing. And I can't help but think, like, we picked the wrong species for this shit. Like, it should have been a dog, because a cat is just gonna not do any of that. Right. <laughs> It's like literally what you just said. Like, we can't explain logic to it. Even if it's in its best interest, it would probably disagree with you just out of its nature. You know, a cat has this kind of stubborn, self-opposed, like, liberty of itself. So it's like, right. it's just, it's going to disagree with you just to be incorrigible. That's what I love, though, about <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's so... what we all love about cats, but it's it's the reason a cat can't be a fucking 
hero of a video game, though. <laughs> I can see that. You know, I have to say, though, that my, like, I, I just, I always think of, like, all of because I've, I have raised so many cats. Yeah. I, <laughs> for somebody who's never volunteered in an animal shelter, I have handled more kittens, I would say, than your average whore. Um, <laughs> and I just, like, they're just so different, I think, when they're, like, handled from birth, basically. Like, the way their personalities develop. Not always, because, you know, some of them are always going to be, like, I'm an independent cat, and I don't need no man sure. or woman or person or anyone else. Um, and fuck you, that's why. But I find that a lot of the times when they are exposed to people from, like, a really young age, they just are so much more social and so much more, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not positive isn't the right word. That's not it. Like, I guess more like, uh, like if they had an alignment, I think it would push the alignment more towards good <laughs> yeah. than neutral. <laughs> I, would put just... the ca I would put cats in a neutral class. <laughs> Right, so that it kind of swings them more towards, like, good. And, like, don't get me wrong, they are absolutely still capable of malice, but it's almost like they recenter their inherent selfishness to, like, include you, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, 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 it's you fall <laughs> under that umbrella of, of sort of protection. Right, they're like... Familial cooperation. Right, exactly. They're like, okay, we're in a pack together, so we're going to take care of each other. I'll help groom you. I will help you hunt because you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, and you can't do it you for yourself. You're clearly feeble. Right, you're clearly feeble and, and that's hairless okay. and stupid. <laughs> uh huh, but I'm none of those things and I will help you because I am so good. But at the same time, they're also like, I also require you to pay attention to me 28 9. I, like, the, I need you to be attached to me. I would like to be a part of you. If we could fuse, I would do that right now <laughs> because, because I, like they see you as like a requirement almost, if that makes sense. It's like their relationship with you becomes like a need. Oh, yeah. Instead of like a convenience. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's great. It makes you feel loved. And then you uh, don't have to have any kids. It's a win-win. For me, um the crushing dependency that a dog can exhibit. Oh uh, yeah. Holy fuck. Uh, yeah. Really kind of gets to me sometimes. Like I, I watch a lot of my family's dogs a lot of the times. And mm -hmm. while I, while I don't necessarily mind it, I find myself in situations where I literally just want to be alone. And, right. And they do nothing but push up against you and then give you that kind of, claustrophobic but but i need you type of feeling yes, yes. and like i the love them so i can't take it out on them but like there are times where i just put them outside just to get some fucking space some, you yeah. know and i i think my cat r.i.p always understood that because mm -hmm. he he would he would come into my room he would first off he would knock and he would enter like a gentleman Right. And he would he would give me an upwards of like two hours. Right. And then right when that two hours was done, he'd jump off of whatever he was sitting on and go to the door and be like, my time is up. I must be away. 
<laughs> and I always, I always appreciated that kind of fanciful, well, he's going to go do his own thing now, independence that a, that a cat can exhibit. And right. um, <laughs> I think, I think the relevancy of the topic is um, even if, <laughs> I think you own, do you own three cats or four cats? I have three. I feel like three is like the maximum. That's actually, that's actually what my girlfriend says. <laughs> she has three as well. Three. She's right. <laughs> three is, three is good. And then, and, and my, my stepmom has three as well. And she also thinks three is good. So, you know, if, if all three of your cats were hairless and burned <laughs> you every time you touched them, would you, or would you not still love them the same amount? I, you know what? I would. <laughs> and maybe I'm a fucking idiot, but especially with like my cats, like we've had, we adopted Gatsby when he was five months old. And then the other two, I was literally there like the day they were born. So I'm like, you know, I'm so attached. Like all, th we're all so enmeshed now. It's like me and my cats are, co are too codependent. So if I woke up and they were all hairless now, and like, you know, equally as fat as they are and they burn my hands, I would just be like, well, time to get some oh, oven mitts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I could I feel that I feel that on so many levels. And I, I, I think the interesting thing about the cats in this narrative is that they aren't they aren't ever really kind of like pervaded as malicious you know right, like cats, exactly. cats can be very malicious cats can be very threatening I've, I've, I've been around a lot of territorial cats in my day but cats also for the most part I would say there's like a couple outliers but like for the most part mind their own business right and uh -huh. the cats <laughs> the cats in this narrative are very much like we appreciate you. We want to be around you. We understand that we hurt you, but if you're okay with it, we'll hang. Right. That was, that would be, I, it's just funny because I have the outliers the, who like do not mind their own business. <laughs> oh, okay. Ever. See, I was, see the outliers in my head are like the unfortunately aggressive uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I guess for these cats specifically also in the story, they definitely, I mean, I don't think we've encountered an aggressive one. No, we haven't. They've, Not that I they've know been of. portrayed as very lackadaisical. And then we had the, the main character cat even had uh, three babies at one yes, point. Yes, she did, which was a Derek, uh, like, yeah. that was his fault. Yeah. Apparently. He somehow. he munched on Mr. Mouse, didn't he? Did he? I think it yeah, was Mr. Mouse did. that he that he munched on. He did, he did, didn't he? Although he also No, I'm I'm sorry, I'm mixing him up with the other dude his brother who murdered Jamie. Oh, 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 the boyfriend, right. Yes, the boyfriend, because I was like, Mouse dude, boyfriend. Oh no, no. Rat that was boy. Wrong. He's the one Rat who ate them. Oh, rap boy, sad face. That made me so fucking sad. It just hurt my <laughs> feelings so much. Uh, it was Albert and Derek. Yes, Albert. And Albert. Albert is the best. Albert is the one who was like, oh, 
I have the power to make your rat boyfriend go away, but before that, I'm going to kill him and revert him back to a human just to make it hurt. <laughs> just to make sure you know that he was in there and you did subject him to this. <laughs> you got to love that, 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 that kind of purposeful fuck you of a bad guy sometimes. Right? It's like, fuck, I just, yeah. The, I think that now that Jamie's dead again... I think that I've like kind of forgiven Kat a little more because like she clearly did instantly regret it and just like didn't have the stones to correct her mistake, Yeah, which is like, I I get it. I don't like, I don't know if I could have done. I don't think I can kill anything. Honestly, I accidentally killed a mouse in here a couple of months ago and I still feel shitty about it. And that was just like a regular mouse. I didn't even do it on purpose. I can't kill a mouse. <laughs> I felt so bad. It wasn't on purpose. I was just trying to get it out. I didn't even know it was dead until later. And then I found it was dead and realized I killed it. And I like cried for two and a half hours. Oh my God. And my partner had to like, he was like, please relax. It's fine. I was like, it's not fine though. It didn't mean to. The cats were of course like fucking finally, but you know. <laughs> uh, both my dogs are bugging. So I'm going to see what's going on real quick. Ghosts. Let let everything... Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally ghosts. It's no, ghosts. My dogs it's are fucking fu idiots. What you don't understand is that it's probably uh, a bug. It's probably <laughs> literally a bug is on the floor. And they're both going, bug, bug, bug. <laughs> they just want you to know it's there. Everything they good? They both just lost upstairs privileges. <laughs> Oh no! Well, it's because they keep looking out the window and barking at fucking everything that walks by. I'm, 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 I can't deal with that right now. Yeah, no, that's I. That's fair. That's very fair. Oh. If my cats could bark, they definitely would. Oh they my really god! Try. It's, the most, it's the most annoying thing about these dogs is one one little tick. You know, the one one shift of a floorboard upstairs at three o'clock in the morning will send them into a full on tizzy. Where they just scream. <laughs> they do nothing but scream for I, a full three minutes. You know, I get like that too, actually, when I see something <laughs> that I'm not sure about. So. Oh, I wish I could say the same thing, but I can't. Um, so, <laughs> so. Good for, okay, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my fear my, Some of us are scared of everything. My middle of the night fear is, is, it is pin drop silence as I stare at the doorway <laughs> and hope nothing Ghosts. and hope nothing passes through. Ghouls, zombies, skeletons. <laughs> ghouls. Ghouls. <laughs> so many ghouls. So do we do we want to do a recap? Is it worth is it worth or at least <sighs> recapping the last episode or at least where we're at right now? Okay, so for last episode, some shit happened. I remember she, uh, Albert, we already talked about Albert murdering her rat boy. Um, who, so that happened. It was very sad. Very she, important. She figures out Derek is somewhere downstairs and she's like, all right, I'm going to go get him. Derek Comes has been sending vines and cats upstairs to get, and cats, to get yes, cats' apparently. attention. <laughs> apparently. So she's like, I have a plan. So she uh, takes the foot of the cat that Jamie ate, which I'm still not actually cool with now that I've said that out loud again. <laughs> um, still not okay with that. Waste not, so, want not. Cannibal yeah, siren. I mean, 
I mean, if she's got it, you know, you might as well use it. What else is she going to do with it? it Keep it? No. <laughs> do you think She was going to bury it, if I remember correctly. Well, she buried the other remains, I think. Oh, okay. In, like, the little patch. But then she kept the foot because I guess it was, like, the most intact thing. I guess I wouldn't really ah. want to keep a pile of guts. Yeah, good point. Yeah, gross. Um, so, you know, she she kept that. She set her trap and the rats came out of the elevator and she ran into the elevator and it all went to hell and the rats were going to eat the shit out of her. And then but little then it, little Ellie... Sweet little Ellie, our favorite demonic child. Sorry, Ellie's brother. Who Eddie, Eddie? Fuck me. I cannot remember Eddie's name for the life of me. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I have like some kind of psychic block. All you gotta remember character. is that they got that Luke and Leia syndrome going on, where they have like the same name but not really. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, Eddie, Eddie is just fast asleep at home, probably, or maybe not, just fucking around with his fire truck. And, uh, yeah, that's and when Ellie, Ellie said he was fucking around with the truck. And Ellie is just like, so, you know, I just figured I'd fuck around the hallways because, you know what, whatever. <laughs> it's what I do at this time of night when my mm-hmm. when my mom falls asleep. It's, it, you know, I got a habit of coming out here when I'm not supposed to. Because, you know, why right. not? Why not have a, have an ex machina that's like a fucking eight-year-old girl with, with demon eyes and claws <laughs> and shit? With, with bottomless black pit eyes I'm and okay apparently with it. I long, it. sharp claws. So. <laughs> Honestly, though, I'm like... Like, is it clearly a plot device so that Kat can maybe survive this? I yes. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Without yes. a doubt, because um, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Now, before if something Ellie happens up, to Ellie, was... then then yeah, we're gonna, gonna know be... that it was that it was a plot device for further reasons. But um, my right. my biggest uh, assumption right now is that. Um, we're going into a new area and we didn't want to have our protagonist by themselves. Cause like, right. even when you think of like Coraline, it's mm-hmm. like, even, even in the book, like she's primarily talking to the cat the entire time. Like, yeah, that's true. It's actually. not like, it's not well represented in the movie too much, but because she has, um, that made up character Wal Walby or whatever his name is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But the point in the book is that isolation for a kid is terrifying. So right, yeah. so even when we have this adult going to this other world, you know, within the basement, it's like we need to have her go with someone or else the kind of isolation and loneliness that she's going to experience isn't going to be as like threatening possibly yeah um and it's just gonna be all the more daunting because of it so now that we have some like actual stakes involved um both with Derek being trapped and ellie kind of being like the uh the last last minute (laughs) passenger in in the in the side seat you know Mm -hmm. we don't quite know where we're going we know that We know that Albert is now considered like the big bad ever since we got rid of that old bitch in, in the part one series. Um, and then we we had our our blind, our blind biddy kind of um, leave us with that message that she needs to believe she could save her friend. And right. Of the, course. the friend was, of course, revealed to be Derek in this situation that, you know, 
something can be done about the situation of where she lives that can make things better for everyone. But I think the, the, the blind Biddy realized that she was, um, the catalyst for that change. And Albert also kind of, yeah, that's why he he kind of like right into the elevator. (laughs) He like mocked her death. He never quite came out and said like, I made her do that, but he's like, I was certainly like there. It's like I told her something. I think he said. Yeah, he apparently. And he it can made her want to. Yeah. Command. He can manipulate. Yeah, he can command the residents apparently, which actually has just made me nervous because, I mean, I I don't doubt that he can command Cat, but if he can also command Ellie, that's no well, good. Well, isn't that, isn't that kind of the question at this point. Right. So number one is we've entered this new world and it's the anti, uh, anti building. It's like the negative. I like comparing it to Coraline because it literally is like the upside yeah, down, it is the of, upside down. of the, the world of the world. We knew the other, you know? the other building, <laughs> the other building. Right. And it appears that this is probably Albert's domain. Yes. He probably, he probably likes not having tons of people around. Um, and he kind of exists in this other world. Mm-hmm. You, you and I made the assumption that this might be where the window washer resides. This might be where the postman resides. Right. Um, this also might've been where Derek has resided the entire time. Um, but now he's trapped here. You know, there's, there's a lot of ironically like open doors that we can discover but i feel like because we're approaching kind of the 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 last act finale Mm -hmm. i think it's very much just going to be like beeline for albert and see what the fuck is going on yeah exactly i just i feel like given the length of what we have left like i feel like they're going to be doing some floor exploration and find some fuck shit on the way i think there's only three parts left I, i think it's three parts it's three parts split over the next 45 pages, so that would lead me to believe that it's 15 pages apart, probably. Right. And, um, I don't know. I Do you have any predictions? Do you want to do, like, a, a, yeah, a let's Deadpool? Yeah, predictions. <laughs> if I were to do a Deadpool real quick, do you think Kat's going to come out alive? <sighs> I feel like that... I feel like she is going to come out alive, purely because of, like, how... Her will to live is like fucking strong. It's pretty good. Like considering what she's she been got through, that protagonist. Yeah, yeah. She got she got that protagonist action of command. I think we talked about uh, how she kind of has like final girl vibes. Like she absolutely she has definitely final girl does. vibes. So she definitely does. I, I think that there's the potential that she could like you know final girl her way out of this. I do think there is a non-zero chance that she and or Ellie will die. But um, okay, yeah. Albert, I think, is too powerful. Yeah, I to to be kind of manipulated or tricked. I think there's gonna have to be some give, probably on Derek's part, for whatever situation arises with with his brother. Um, not not so sure about what can happen there. Um. But but those are really the only uh, the only people right now that we have to like worry about. Yeah. I, I'd say is Cat Ali, Cat uh, Ellie, 
Albert and Derek. True. Although I am very interested to see what this other building has in store for us because it has all the same floors as the current building, which to me tells me that people are or something is living here. But like that's true. What could it like if but like, you know, the the residents in the ghouls, ghouls ghosts, <laughs> zombies, skeletons. <laughs> But I Oh yeah, we joked the the kid on the other side of the mirror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I'm wondering if like because there's already some shit in the regular building that's like fucked up. So the guy on the steps. Right. Oh god, the guy on the steps whose name is not Clyde or <laughs> fucking Jeremy or whatever. We only know what his name isn't. Um but yeah, I'm wondering what that's gonna look like because like the residents in the other side are like largely normal. But there's like some fuck shit there. Like, you know, we have our werewolf uh, minotaur thing and the blind Mr. Prentice. Lady and, yeah, Mr. Prentice, my, my favorite character. My favorite living <laughs> character. <laughs> I should say, rest in peace, Effie. Yep, Effie. Oh, Effie. All right. Part 14. There isn't a guide for these floors. <laughs> no, 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 there isn't. No, there isn't, Cat. You've done a. Th- <laughs> we don't even know where we are. No. We we bar- we passed the basement and ended up somewhere else. And like, the the two surviving rat people are now. They know you're there. Free freely roaming the rest of the apartment <laughs> complex. Shit, I fucking forgot about that. <laughs> Shit, I completely. Lest we not forget, they <sighs> they get roped back into any of this fuck shit. I fucking completely forgot that they're just like loose in the hallways now. Yeah, because they don't have an elevator to go back to. <laughs> Good timing. Uh, who's reading again? I am. okay. Looking at the button panel on the lift that didn't lead home, I felt a knot form in my stomach. Why hadn't Albert appeared, and which button was I supposed to press? Where are we going, Cat? Ellie asked. She had stopped crying, but every word was heavy with fear. In truth, I didn't really know the answer to her question. I stared at the panel, taking in every number and noting its inclusion of a negative nine. We're going to see if there's anyone else around. I didn't like my chances with whatever might inhabit that floor. If wherever we were was a reverse of the building, the nine could be nasty. Very true. So I st- <laughs> yeah, let's not go yeah, there. Let's not. So I started cautiously pressing the negative two button. Mechanics word, and the large metal doors clapped shut. I wished that I had been behind the real lift's doors before it disappeared from sight. The lift that we stood in was as identical to the original as possible. Even the shiver it sent up my spine just being inside it felt the same. I was grateful when it stopped and the doors opened to reveal a relatively normal looking corridor, reminiscent of the ones above in the upper building. I would have believed that I'd imagined the lift falling and was arriving home if it weren't for the large black number two painted next to the metal doors, the lack of any windows, and an obnoxious artificial light that I was sure would give me a migraine if I stood there for too long. Oh, so we're in the back rooms. Yes, we literally are. We literally are. I, I don't know what I hoped would be behind the red wooden door that led to a vast stretch of flats. I didn't suppose that finding Derek in something that the fake lift had indicated was as large as the building would be that simple, but perhaps it would provide some answers. Albert himself was a possibility. 
I couldn't predict his moves, but I had a strong feeling he wouldn't be able to contain his intellectual gloating at the failure of my plan for long. I don't like it here. The small voice broke my stream of thoughts. Me neither, Ellie. Hopefully someone will be home and know how we can get back upstairs. I feebly attempted to smile at my tiny companion, but she was a child, not an idiot. <laughs> she saw straight through me. I don't think we should go through that door. Ellie gestured to the red wooden door, separating us from the windowless flats. She planted her feet firmly to the spot and <laughs> refused to move any further. Honestly, good girl. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any better ideas? I asked, genuinely hopeful. I just have a really bad feeling. Oh, that's not good coming from a demon. Yeah, stick with your gut. Her words didn't fill me with a sense of comfort or optimism, but I saw little choice. I reached for the handle and pulled the door. It creaked loudly as it opened, releasing a strong, musky smell like something that had been shut away for a long time. I took a tentative step inside alone, leaving Ellie just behind in the corridor, and shouted, Hello. Oh, baby girl. Hoping that if any anyone was in there, that the visitors were usually scarce and they may come out. Unlike my previous plans, this worked flawlessly, and within minutes, each of the doors were slowly opening. Ooh. I counted around ten doors in total as human arms and fingers started to emerge from behind them. The flats were filled with, and I use this term loosely, people. Oh, no. <laughs> they weren't typical. None of them were dressed, and they had fleshy limbs and appendages sticking out of all the wrong places. They were elongated. Uh, they, they had elongated necks, multiple arms, spines bent completely backwards. It shocked me that any of them could walk at all. Each one of them looked like a unique result of intense torture. Torture that should have killed them long before they reached the stage they were at. Remembering where I was, I realized that they probably were killed long ago, or they never lived to begin with. Vomit. One in particular caught my eye. It had a neck at least three feet long, and I couldn't distinguish its gender at all. Its back was bent in a way that a child might do the crab, and it was balanced on all fours. Instead of two arms and two legs, all four limbs were left arms, all facing the same direction. Its neck lolled backwards, swinging from side to side a little and struggling to support itself. I inhaled sharply as its head lifted slightly into a steadier position, and it locked eyes with me. It screamed. <laughs> The scream that came from that thing was the single most distressing sound I'd ever had to listen to. Yeah, we're in the back room. <laughs> I was about to say, we are, we are, we are in the bad place. This is the bad place. We're in, this is not good. It penetrated my soul and I felt every inch of pain and suffering that laced it. My stomach churned and the shrill pitch burrowed into my brain. It left me completely immobile as every other person-like creature in the room lifted its head wherever it balanced and screamed in unison with the first. Holding my hands to my ears, I started to feel a warm liquid trickling from Jesus them, but I couldn't Christ. take my only protection away to see what it was. It's your fucking brain. It's I can't even begin to describe the pain that I felt. <laughs> uh, there are no words for a misery that deep. 
I don't know how, but I could feel years upon years of torment and unimaginable pain that they'd gone through. The screaming became so overwhelming and all-consuming that I started to feel myself getting dizzy. There was a violent tug at my shirt, forcing me backwards, before an almighty hiss, vicious enough to cut through the screams and silence them, echoed through the corridor. Oh, good girl. It took seconds for every, each and every one of the mangled people to shrivel back into their flats, winding limbs clamoring in all directions, leaving Ellie stood there, horn tips gleaming in the artificial light. What were they, cat? I barely heard the muffled sounds she was making that had replaced the heart-wrenching screams. I finally pulled my hands away from my ears to see them covered in blood. Ellie noticed and wrapped her arms around me, nicking me accidentally in the side with a claw. <laughs> it hurt, but I didn't want to make a fuss in that moment. I knew no pain could measure up to what I'd felt during my short time amongst the mangled people. I don't know. How, how did you do that? I could still barely hear the sounds of my own voice. It was like I was wearing a hat pulled over my ears, despite nothing of the sort and my hair being shoved into a bun on top of my head. I didn't do anything. I thought they were going to eat us both, she replied, hyped on the adrenaline. But they all ran away. I guess I'm just extra scary, <laughs> she answered, a pride in her voice that only a child could produce. I looked down at her and ruffled the blonde hair between her horns. She was frightening looking, sure, but she had nothing on those things or even the creatures in the lift. Good point. I couldn't understand why such ferocious monsters were so scared of a little girl. Why would they run instantly? It made me uneasy. But I loved the twins, no matter how unusual they were. Oh, fuck. Something just came to me. What? What? We st we don't know who the twins' dad we is. We do not. No, we don't. What if it's what if it's Albert? Oh, good God. I hope not. <laughs> I just fucked myself with that one. You know, it's a pretty compelling theory. It's a pretty compelling theory. I just wished that I could be more of a protector for her than it being the other way around. <laughs> we stumbled into the corridor and I was again confronted by the metal doors of the fake lift. And to the other side of them there was an entrance, presumably to a stairwell, if the undertower were trapped and continued to be a mirror of home. After spending what felt like hours in a lift, the idea of stairs comforted me and I ushered Ellie toward the entrance. There were no stairs going upwards, back to floor, negative one. They only went downward oh the odd artificial light not quite covering the bottom of the set of the where we were at the top of my ears rung with the sound of the mangled people's screams do you think they'll skip too ellie asked me looking into the abyss with her own impossibly deep black voids let's find out I answered, gripping her hand again as we started to walk towards the darkness. We reached floor negative three quickly in one average flight. I considered exploring the corridors of flats that existed on that floor too, but Ellie planted herself firmly to the ground again and insisted that we didn't. And I agree with her at this point. Yep, nope, she. I wasn't she's about to argue with her. Sounds still hadn't returned to normal and I'd learned from my mistake. I couldn't bear to face anything like the previous floor again. We climbed down. Another flight of stairs. The ones we just ascended were still there, leading back up when we reached the bottom, giving me some comfort that as long as we could still reach the lift on floor negative two, we should at least be able to get back to the cold, dim, but empty basement. This time the stairs did skip, giving some sort of semblance of home. 
The big black negative five sign was jarring, but missing a floor had allowed me to tell myself that the stairs were just an extension of the proper ones. More jarring was the woman. She looked right at us, at my demon sidekick, then had terrified everything else, and she didn't run. In fact, this, she didn't it, move at all. Is this the inverse of the dude? The inverse instead of dude yeah. is girl. <laughs> Dudette. In fact, she didn't move at all. It's as if she were looking straight through us. Ellie didn't panic either. She didn't tell me to get away or hiss at the woman. She just stared back. Her hair was a mousy brown and her features beautiful yet average. There was nothing particularly distinct about her except for how much she reminded me of someone else. She was a perfect mirror of her counterpart. She had the same vacant yet sad expression that the man on floor five always had. I knew it. I wondered for a moment what her name might be. She misses him, Ellie said. And I looked down at her in confusion. How do you know that? Not bothering to question who she meant. I don't know. I just do. Oh, that makes me so sad. She like, shrugged are they, nonchalantly. Are they in they're, love? They're lo star-crossed lovers from different from dimensions. From different dimensions, cursed to be mirror counterparts of one another, sitting in the same spot, pretending... Sitting in the same spot, waiting for the other to come pretending back. Pretending they're together, even though they can never be. Oh. My fucking heart. <laughs> they just rush and, I, they just rush and dolled <laughs> us. <laughs> I sat on the step next to the standing woman and despaired. The whole place was like a sick joke. I do like that show, by the way. Me too. That's me. There was no sign. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you were Ginger, I'd, I'd agree with that you. That woman looks... That's what I look like. <laughs> I just need a thick accent and I'm good to go. You, just need, to, you need a 10-year smoking I voice. need a thick accent and I need to up my fucking cigarette consumption. To, to 11D. 11D7. <laughs> there was no sign of Albert, Derek, or any way out of the labyrinth we were trapped in so far, and I couldn't comprehend just how much of an imbecile I've been. <laughs> Between the thoughts of never getting out, how I'd endangered the entire block, how hungry the kittens would get, Jamie and those awful screams, my head felt ready to explode. The incessant ringing was only getting worse. The woman next to me didn't move a muscle, just stood staring into the open space in front of her. I looked at Ellie, knowing that she was special, and didn't doubt what she had told me. I could feel for myself that the woman missed the man. I understood how she felt. To lose the love to, to, her, to the building. To lose her love to the building. My heart truly bled for her. We need to keep going. There has to be someone here that can talk to us. We need to get you back home to your mom and your brother. Attempting to stay focused. I smiled another forced, optimistic smile at Ellie and gestured for her to follow me further down the spiraling, artificially lit stairs. I wasn't sure what I hoped for or even where I was aiming. Perhaps floor negative nine was my best bet at any sort of answer. I didn't get a chance to test that theory. Once we reached the bottom of the flight, we were once again faced with the big black negative five. The woman was stood in the same position facing forward. Come on. I grabbed Ellie and tried to repeat the action the stairs had always skipped. It wasn't anything unusual. It wasn't until it was. Oh. 
By the sixth time we'd attempted the stairs, Ellie was looking tired and scared. Despite her voids for eyes, the rest of her face displayed fear like any normal child. Cat? It's okay. We just need to keep trying. I tried to convince myself as much as her. No. She doesn't want to be alone. That's why we can't leave. She let go of my hand and extended a long, clawed figure in the direction of the woman. She hadn't moved from her spot, and there wasn't a noticeable change in facial expression or demeanor. However, something about her felt entirely off. Oh, this is scary. Holy shit, sorry. That is the fire alarm in my building. Okay. Hold on. You can stop recording and <laughs> go deal with Hold that. Hold on just one second. I'm so sorry. Here, let me stop. No, you're good. Okay, I'm glad it started again. <laughs> yep, sorry about that. Cool. We're back in it. So I'll... <laughs> it's, so, it's totally fine. Cat? It's okay. We just need to keep trying. I tried to convince myself as much as her. No. She doesn't want to be alone. That's why we can't leave. Still she let go of my hand and extended a long, clawed finger in the direction of the woman. She hadn't moved from her spot, and there wasn't a noticeable chance change in her facial expression or demeanor. However, something about her felt entirely off. Hostile, even, is where I went. Oh, shit. <laughs> I understood grief <laughs> and doing everything possible to keep people close that you should let go. I, I, I wish that there were... I wish that were what I thought the woman's intentions were, I really do. Instead, it felt more literal than that. More like she just really couldn't bear to be alone again at any cost. Just keep going. We ran down the stairs again, then up them and down again, three more times and the terror started to build. Each time we arrived in front of the negative five, the woman seemed more sinister, more malignant. Yeah. She wasn't looking through us anymore. She was looking straight at us. Madam. But I fucking hate, I, this is my fucking nightmare. This is so good. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> it, it is. It's so scary. My legs hurt, cat, Ellie whined, and mine did too. Do you think you could scare her? I felt sick even suggesting it, but Ellie had the best chances of getting us away from the stairwell. Ellie shook on the spot, but nodded and took a few steps towards her. Aww. She got close to the woman's face and hissed, claws out. And the woman didn't move. She didn't blink or flinch at all. She just stayed in her spot. Nothing at first. Until she started to move. All that changed was her face as the corners of her lips curled into a hollow smile. Desist, ma'am. I fucking hate this. I would be throwing up and like crying. I would like this would be it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like a fucking shitting and farting. Yeah, I shitted and farted all the way over negative five. The comfort I had felt from the familiarity of the woman and the floor number was dead in the water the moment she smiled. Ellie had retreated in an instant, tugging at my shirt again and shuffling closer. And I think the fact that she did nothing else at all made it even more disconcerting. Correct. The woman had the upper hand and she wasn't going to let us go. Please. I begged. If there's anything we can do to help you, please tell us. 
I fought my fear, doing everything I could to be kind. If she had ever been a person, she might somehow pity our plight. I say hello to your man. I don't know his name, and he's quiet, like you. I think he misses you, too. I know he does. I lost someone I love just like you did. I know how you feel. A singular tear rolled down her cheek, but the smile stayed in place. It just gets worse. My chest thumped as my heart pounded against my ribcage. Maybe I was getting through to her. Her eyes were haunting and hypnotic as they made contact with mine. It was like her brain was scrambled and she couldn't put the pieces back together. Her eyes were more expressive than I had ever seen before on any person, filled with confusion and sadness. And after a few moments of intimate communication with her eyes, the woman moved more than I had ever seen her or the man move. She cocked her neck to the side and tilted her head in Ellie's direction. A few seconds after her neck had turned, her eyes followed, and she looked intensely at the child. Smile plastered on her face, and the evaporating trail of the tear still visible in the gleaming light. Ellie started to cry, terrified. She tried to take a step behind me to use me as some sort of shield, and no matter how many monsters she fought, she was still a scared little kid. The woman took a labored step toward her. It took her a long time to put one foot in front of the other, standing in one position for so long, to do a real number on the muscles, even for those of a supernatural persuasion. Nonetheless, her step was an immediate threat. I could feel that her intentions were malevolent. The sadness in her eyes had developed into a disdain, and that single step was a declaration of war. Me and Ellie started to back away slowly, readying ourselves to break into a sprint down the stairs. I was prepared to run them into an endless loop forever if it meant keeping that little girl away from the woman. Before we could even reach the first step, there was a voice. A male voice. That's enough now, Angela. I didn't think you were one to make children cry. I turned to the man now standing next to the woman who had returned to her spot by the stairs, visibly calmed. He had one hand on her upper arm, but he didn't need it there. She wouldn't dare disobey him. His kindly eyes and smile that held real warmth were arranged beneath a familiar flat cap. Oh, it's- It's our boy! I want to go back. Yeah. Okay, let's go. I'm going to go back and read that again. Okay, let's go back. I forget how, how, how did I read Derek's voice? Uh, kind of like uh, M- Michael Caine. Uh, yeah, exactly, like Michael Mas- Caine. Master, like Master Wayne. That's enough now, Angela. Exactly. I didn't think you were the one to make children cry. I turned to the man now standing next to the woman who had returned to her spot by the stairs, visibly calmed. He had one hand on her upper arm, but he didn't need it there. She wouldn't dare disobey him. His kindly eyes and smile that held real warmth were arranged beneath a familiar cap. I wish I could say it were nice to see you, Cat, but given the circumstances, I'd better not. He continued, speaking directly to me this time. Who's he? Ellie interrupted, tugging the same spot on my shirt where the material had begun to stretch. I smiled at her for the first real time since our nightmare began. Ellie, this is Derek. Fuck Yes. <laughs> yes. I was it's our I boy. was really I was really not liking the whole kind of like blink 
aspect to, mm. to the to the woman on the stairs and I My... didn't know how they were gonna get out of that and Derek always yeah. seems to be like a living ex machina so like I'm okay with it literally well I thought it was Albert for a split second and I was like this is worse actually so did I I was like, y'all should have taken your chances with fucking Angela or whatever, honestly. But I like my uh, my old roommate always talks about like her hatred of what she calls the slow moving inevitable. Oh, yeah. Monster. You know, the guy who's not super concerned with when he gets to you because he knows he will get to you. The Michael Myers, and there's nothing the you Jason, can do about it. Freddy, yep. Exactly. Yep. But like, I'm not running and I don't have to. And yep. I never will. And it's yep. like that same energy. God, it was like one of those fucking witches from Left for Dead, but worse. <laughs> so much worse. Yeah. Because at first I was like, oh, it's so sad that she's there. And then she was like, I'm going to make everyone else much sadder. I guess and that's I, was... <laughs> I guess that's the upside down nature of it, though, is that right. the man on the top side is like pleasantly situated where he is and doesn't like harm anyone around him. Right, he's just, like, there. So, like, the Although, opposite of they... that would be, like, a, a terrifying woman. <laughs> didn't they say, though, that he, like, he wasn't always there. Like, he appeared there sometime when Kat moved into the building. Like, around that time. Because when she went to that first, like, tenants meeting, they were like, yo, this dude's showed up here and he's making everyone uncomfortable. We gotta do something about it. It was kind of like treated as like a oh, you know, he's there, whatever. We're annoyed by it, but we'll figure it out. So I I don't know if it's more... a detail that was missing from the first kind of part of the story that mm -hmm. that the author kind of like subjected in there and tried for us to not notice, or if he was there the entire time. Because honestly, I'd I would personally like to believe he was there the entire time mm -hmm. and we just didn't notice him. Right, and I mean, like, even if he wasn't, though, it's like, right. okay, so that's new, which it's means still that subject Angela's to the new. story, yeah. Right, so like, why? I don't know. I, I like guess we'll it. have to find out. Part fifteen. How did we end up here? How did we end up here? Cannibal how Siren. did? <laughs> how did we end up here? Um, many, many, many dollars in student debt. That's I think true. Was the beginning. <laughs> Pleased to meet you, young lady. Derek smiled at Ellie, a genuine, warm grin. They had never met before. He only knew about the twins because I had told him about them last time we spoke. He never got a chance to see them before he disappeared. Despite this, he was completely unfazed by her demonic appearance. I wished more than anything that the circumstances had been better. Their meeting and our reunion would have been wonderful upstairs, but instead we were stuck in an artificially lit stairwell with the now still again woman for company. I missed him. I hadn't realized how much it was possible to miss a person I barely knew until Derek. He represented everything good about the block to me. He made it feel like home, even in the bright, windowless, underground layers. Pleased to meet you too, sir. Ellie answered in the poshest accent she could muster, <laughs> giggling. She radiated a light. There was an invisible expression of instant trust amongst the black that made up her voids. She liked him. When this nightmare began with the prophecy and subsequent death of Esther Beckman, I never would have imagined I'd be witnessing that moment between Ellie and Derek to see an instant connection. I hoped he would get the chance to see her in the sunlight, too, with her brown puppy dog eyes in place of the voids. The whole scene filled me with my own warmth. Sounds were still muffled after my brutal attack by the mangled people, and I was disappointed that his voice wasn't clear, but the arrival of Derek gave me great hope. 
Even the presence of the woman, who was stood by the, still stood by the stairwell, couldn't break that. Besides, we were safe from her now. He took his kindly eyes away from Ellie to look at me. Why are you here? How? He asked, disbelief in his tone. There was no anger, just disappointment, which was arguably worse. It was the first time I had ever seen Derek not look calm and collected. That is not... That's bad. Uh, It's understandable, (laughs) though. I'm here for you. I couldn't let you rot down here. I got the kittens and the vine. And then Albert came to visit. I blurted out quickly. Derek smiled a little, but it was strained. I'm sorry, Kat. You shouldn't have come here. How did you do it? Why was this little lady with you? He replied, confusion building. He tried to hide the concern in his voice for Ellie's sake, but it was useless. She'd already seen the danger we were in, which is true. I had explained what happened right from the very beginning after he went away and Mr. Prentice trampled Prudence. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah, fuck Prudence. (laughs) That's what we should have titled this podcast. Fuck Prudence. (laughs) Fuck Prudence. (laughs) Ellie stood in a frightened awe as I spoke about my monstrous boyfriend, how I'd brought him back. You're just going to say all that in front of her. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I guess they don't have anything to lose, but goddamn. (laughs) Ellie stood in frightened awe as I spoke about my monstrous boyfriend, how I'd brought him back, kept him locked away for months, and how he later murdered Mr. Meow. Derek looked worried as as I described Albert's visit and threats. I covered everything, from Essie, sorry Essie, I got your name wrong earlier, to the vine, to the window cleaner and his inability to hold it together in lockdown. I tried to reason why I had thought that my plan with the lift would work, but saying it out loud made me realize how stupid I had been. Ellie continued to listen intently. She looked a little smug when I told him how she had saved me from the creatures and again from the mangled people just a few floors above us. I could see that my explanation wasn't complete enough. Derek had a million questions to ask, but I didn't give him a chance. After months of dwelling on his disappearance and the events of recent weeks, it was my turn to ask questions. Where are we? I asked starting as simply as I could manage. Little had I known that I opened Pandora's box with three words. Derek began to speak. I call it the Undertower, or the building below. It's still a part of the building, but most residents never see it, for good reason. The things that live here aren't always as friendly as those upstairs understatement yet again (laughs) to carry on with the theme of this podcast when my father bought the land to build this place he discovered a large underground tunnel system whilst digging the foundations and it inspired him he wanted to be the first architect to extend a skyscraper the same length downwards and a good deal of the excavation was already in place He wanted to maximize the earning potential of his space, but he hadn't accounted for the power of the land. My father was a competitive, secretive man, so naturally he told no one outside of his workers what he was planning, not even his family. He employed a team of contractors who all signed non-disclosure agreements. We're standing in the result. Derek waved his arms a little, gesticulating about our current setting before he continued. When they found him hanging, he was in the basement, the grim-looking room you all have arrived here in. That room, and everything below it, has been untouched since construction. They gave up on expanding that particular floor when my father died, 
the underground project was abandoned. As is the nature of this land, the contractors started to report strange happenings across the entire tower. There were at least five unexplained deaths, and although it was unreported to the public, those were all amongst men working below. Those that worked on this hidden part of the building were especially superstitious, and after my father's death, they sealed all entrances to the basement, entombing an entire tower block beneath the city. When it came into his possession, Albert tried to convince the builders to unseal it and carry on working. He was just like our dad, you see, ambitious and money-driven. None of them would agree to it. They claimed it was cursed. The upper tower was completed just before my father took his life, so Albert abandoned his negotiations with the contractors within a few weeks and focused on opening the place up. He wasn't going to continue to miss out on any money arguing over these lower floors. He said that our father's death would only explain the grand opening being delayed for so long, and he had to move forward. We moved in a week later, the first residents to live here. He paused for a moment and a sadness clouded his face. His kindly eyes welled up a little as he thought back to life before the building. You must be really old if your dad built this place. Even my mom isn't that old. Ellie interrupted. I laughed. Her childish thought process was the only thing that could lighten the mood. Derek chuckled and the woman next to him remained unmoving. God, Angela, you need to fuck off. Yeah, we need to out, like man. take five steps in, in the opposite direction. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Angela. You're you got to get away from me. The vibe. <laughs> Your earlier display killed the vibe. For real. I am quite old, I suppose. Don't feel it, though. He answered, chuckling to himself as he adjusted his flat cap and winked at Ellie. Don't look it either. I chimed in. Oh, damn. Derek stopped. Oh, okay, <laughs> Derek stopped chuckling and continued shooting me a look. He said, shut up. Just, that isn't something I can explain, Cat. <laughs> Albert and I weren't close to our father. We didn't really know anything about this place until he died. The project was mostly completed, and we only got to speak to a handful of the contractors, who told us wild stories we would never believe to be true at the time. We couldn't have imagined how our father, how, how our lives... We're going to change. The only clue we have to our extended life is his note. To my boys, if you stay here, you will never die. Well, it's done deal. <laughs> hey, that was all he left us. <laughs> On a crumpled bit of paper that had to be given to us by a builder named Keith. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Keith, for uh, delivering the knowledge of eternal life. Yeah, see, you know, look at the paper. It says you stay here, you never die. It's pretty cool. See you. I'm going on lunch. I'm going on lunch. Please don't let me die like my co-workers. <laughs> <laughs> my best guess is that he made some kind of deal with the spirit of the place. I don't know. Maybe it was just a special resident I haven't met yet. Maybe... The building itself. It took us years to realize we weren't aging normally, and by the time we noticed there was no one left to ask, 
We had to navigate every supernatural, unusual, and strange occurrence in the place alone at first. I remember exploring, being in awe of everything I met. Whenever I would cross paths with Albert, he didn't look mystified like I was. He was scared. My brother and I were never the best of friends, and it's my deepest regret that I didn't use that time we were alone here to build a relationship with him. Maybe I could have made a difference. A difference to what? I asked, trying to take in each of his words. To his son? Derek looked at Ellie, letting his eyes linger on the little girl and then back at me. He shook his head. Not now. There's far too much to discuss. For now, we need to find a way to get you home. I considered protesting, but I could see the sadness in his eyes and I didn't want to press. He was right. I'd put Ellie at risk for long enough and I needed to get her back to Terry and Eddie safely. Have you been here this whole time? If you can't get out, then we have no hope. I whispered to Derek as he put his arm around Ellie's shoulders and prepared to move. He sighed a little. You met my brother, Cat. The consequences of my escape would be huge <clears throat> for the block. He's not appreciative of the way I conduct myself. He prefers to take what the building gives and make it harmful. Twist it into something bad. I prefer to live with it. I don't believe anything is here is evil. Except maybe him. I tried to let it go. I wanted to keep moving, but things weren't adding up. But Albert said... The kittens and the vine. He said they were a cry for help. He lied. It's his interests to keep me away. Yes, I'll help them live. It gets lonely down here. When he discovered the plant, he took it off me immediately. Albert brought down one of the cats to feed to the thing he keeps on floor negative ten. What the fuck is that? I stopped him. He let me keep it because I suppose somewhere deep down he pities me. I nurtured that little cat until, out of nowhere, the kittens were born. It was amazing. Love created new life. The cats were great company and I would have freed them if I could, but I could never let them out. I didn't have a clue how they got out until you mentioned a grate in the wall. He looked me up and down as he spoke, eyeing me unusually. It wasn't an entirely mistrustful look, but suspicious nonetheless. So how do we get out? Ellie asked. Well, last time your friend's garden got me out of here. He crouched to speak to her on eye level. We planted a garden for you, but you never came. She huffed and retorted. Oh, I know. My mean brother told me how beautiful it is. I hope I get to see it one day. He's made it a bit harder this time. He stood up and addressed me again. I used to go through the basement. There's a stairwell. It's just sealed up. You have to break it. The lift will only bring you down. You can't get home that way. So let's go, I urged, reaching for his hand. Then I saw it. I hadn't noticed. I had been too focused on his kindly eyes. Derek was missing all four fingers on his left hand. He looked at the floor as I struggled not to stare. What he did to Jamie, if I even just enter the basement, it will happen to me. I tested it. You can see the results. 
He lifted his stumpy hand. I don't know how I got that cat to give birth. And I don't know how Albert does anything that he does to the things that live here. I just know that if I step in that basement, I'll die. Oh. He looked devastated. Despite the relief that he hadn't gone straight in and done much worse damage, I knew the loss of his fingers would be a major for him. He was, after all, first and foremost, a gardener. I'll walk you there, cat. Make sure Albert lets you go. But I can't come with you. I wanted to scream loud enough to hurt any ears left on the mangled people upstairs. <laughs> I wanted to them. shout, you know what, good. <laughs> I wanted to shout and tell him that after all I'd been through, I wasn't going to leave without him. But the horned little girl beside me had thrown a lot of com complications out there. Defeated, I nodded. Derek turned to the still woman. I'll be back to visit Angela, I promise. But please let these ladies leave safely. He leaned over and kissed her cheek gently before ushering us towards the stairwell. Another single tear rolled down her face. I am torn between being deeply terrified of Angela and also just like having my heart fucking break for her. Derek just like <laughs> turns over and he's like, oh, you need just a little bit of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> we trudged upwards fairly silently. I wondered if all my questions would be ever be answered. I knew from before that Derek was mysterious, but after all I'd been through to get to the Undertower, it didn't seem fair that I would be marched back so unceremoniously. Derek may have known the way to get home, but no single person has complete control of this land. I was coming to really understand that. The building would always win. So I shouldn't have been surprised when we arrived at the large, black, negative seven. Cat, they skip. You know that. There's nothing for you in there. Derek put his stumpy hand on my shoulder as I stared at the different yet familiar corridor. He could see the curiosity filling my eyes as I was confronted with the counterpart of my home. Would it be filled with more mangled people, or was it a true reversal? A place where me and Jamie lived happily, Mr. Prentice didn't have to deal with his affliction and Essie was alive, or was it home to something completely different? Noise suddenly became more than just muffled. My mind was actively blocking it out. The knowledge that Derek was with Ellie took away some of the responsibility that I felt as I edged towards the familiar yet very different main entrance. Cat. <laughs> Cat. Cat. Catherine. Cat. Please don't. Derek followed me, cautious to keep hold of Ellie. I think she had she not have been there, he probably would have grabbed me, but he didn't want to scare her. I continued forward in a trance-like state. Negative 42. The numbers were blurred and the minus symbol stood out. I stroked the wood in the handle. It, it didn't feel like home, not even a little. I was curious about what was inside, but I somehow knew that it wasn't good. The only seemingly positive thing about this situation was the lack of mangled people on the floor. I didn't know what was behind the doors, but it wasn't them. I had already created enough noise to draw them out if they were there. No, something else was there. Instead of trying my key, after a sudden epiphany, I turned and ran straight towards negative number 51 and pounded on the door. Essie, I screamed, realizing that if I hadn't died in that lift, then maybe she hadn't either. I banged hard on the door and could almost smell the familiar cigarette smoke seeping out the flat. Cat, you are being a fucking idiot. You are being a fool. A hundred percent. You are being a loon. You are being a fool. You are being a loon and a fool. And a loon and another fool and a loon. Cat, a loon. stop. 
Derek screamed. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see him covering Ellie's voids in grim anticipation. Then the door squeaked open. There she was, as he hadn't died at all. Her fate had been so much worse. My friend was stood at the door, face twisted into a horrifying expression. Her mouth lulled open much wider than should have ever been possible with a functioning jaw. More alarmingly, her eyes had been entirely removed, leaving red, bloodied, gaping wounds central to her face. Tufts of hair had been yanked from her scalp, leaving raw skin in its place. The dress that's neatness I had previously marveled at was torn and distressed around the edges, barely covering her swollen, deformed limbs, bones jutting out of open wounds in all directions, the air filled with the scent of old ash and necrotic skin. She collapsed onto the ground, unable to stand any longer on her broken legs, mouth still hanging open. Guilt washed hard over me. How could you leave her like this? I turned towards Derek and screamed, but his face was as horrified as mine. I didn't know, Cat. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't even know she was dead until I found you. Please, we have to keep going. Don't let her see this. He kept his hand over the gaping black voids that were so much more alive and comforting than Essie's hollowed sockets. There was real shock in his eyes. I believed him, but I was angry. She wanted to help you, and this is what she got? I couldn't get past my rage. Essie had been left to suffer for so long already, and who knew how long Albert intended her to stay like this? She laid there, writhing, and I was both desperate to help her and furious. Derek didn't get a chance to protest. Instead, our argument was interrupted by a slow and mocking clap. I turned to see the door of flat negative 42 flung wide open, Albert in the doorway with a smug grin on his face. God damn it, Albert. And my my dog just climbed back up onto my lap and sat on on me like a little baby. (laughs) I am nauseous after that description of Essie. That's really bad, but I don't know if it's... I don't don't know if it's her or like a negative her or... I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, but at the same time with Derek's reaction, it, it makes me think it's her. Yeah, you're right. That's not good. It's not good, that's is it? That's not good. Because, you know, if that's what happened to Essie after she was left in the elevator, oh, there was someone no. else who was left in the elevator. Oh, no. There are many people that were left in the elevator. <laughs> but there's one person in particular. Yeah. Who, uh, I don't want to know what's in flat 42. Yeah, but Albert was in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Albert just was in there. hanging out. <laughs> Probably hanging out with whatever the fuck is left of Jamie. Oh, part 16. Not all heroes wear capes. (laughs) Some of them wear flat hats. Okay, perfect. You're so predictable, cat. I knew you'd find yourself here on this particular floor. Apologies for my tardiness to this reunion. I've been cleaning up a rather large mess you left while traveling here. My skin crawled as Albert spoke. He filled me with the opposite of the warmth Derek did. The world became cold and hopeless. Is everyone okay up there? I asked, 
desperately hoping that my stunt with the lift hadn't hurt anyone. All but one, Albert replied, smiling wryly. Aren't you going to thank me? Yet another disaster cleaned up by yours truly. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, God. My heart sank one? as I went through a Rolodex of residence in my mind. It was like I was being told off. I was about to ask who got hurt, but I couldn't find the words in time before the brothers erupted into a bitter row. Let them go home, Albert. They've learned their lesson. They won't look for me again, Derek interjected firmly. Are you some kind of idiot? Albert retorted, rolling his eyes. All the chaos this girl has caused, and you think I'm going to just let her head back up there to cause more? When she's bought such a beautiful gift. Oh, son a few, of a bitch. He took a few <laughs> steps towards Ellie, gazing in wonder, and Derek stepped in front of her. You aren't coming anywhere near her, he hissed at his brother through gritted teeth. What is she? He stopped moving and directed his question at me. I'm a girl, and my name is Ellie, she shouted from behind Derek, defiantly poking her horns out to the side. She was audibly annoyed at being referred to as a what? I'm sorry. It's great to meet you, Ellie. He edged a little closer again and got down to the void level, just like Derek had not long ago. There was no uh -huh. instant connection this time, though, just a twisted fascination in his eyes. He spoke as if she wasn't even there. Exquisite. She's natural. Of course she is, Derek. Er, of course she is, Derek responded, stepping back as he continued to guard the little girl. Nothing you mess with works out very well, does it? That depends on your definition. Your successes all panned out pretty poorly, don't you think, little brother? He snapped back. What are you talking about? I blurted, confused. I had no idea what they meant by natural or what they were arguing over. In fact, I had personally always found Ellie's demonic appearance quite unnatural myself. Albert scoffed maniacally as Derek looked at the floor. The sibling dynamic was so visible, you could see Derek being put into a place of a little brother, trying to hide behind the peak of his flat cap. Regardless, he valiantly continued to shield Ellie, and finally Albert stood up and addressed me directly again. He hasn't told you anything, has he? About this place, about how it throws out its creations you could barely imagine. He looked around him as he referred to the building below that we had been trapped in and continued. You have no idea of the power this land has. The power it gives to people who stay. Ever wonder how Prudence Hemmings managed to throw a fully grown man off a balcony and chase you up all those stairs at her age? Or why Mr. Prentice becomes that other thing? Or why me and my lovely brother here aren't long dead? They're just all too stupid to notice. They have no idea what's right beneath them. They won't ever realize the potential. My mind reeled at his words. Maybe the building really could change its inhabitants. 
to be honest, I spent more time than I'd like to admit wondering how I hadn't found it easier to escape Prue. I was permanently scarred from the altercation, after all. Despite my contempt for Albert, I recognized that what he was saying made sense. I noted the residents he mentioned, all of them had spent decades in the building. It wasn't a far stretch to believe that it could have all been irreparably altered somehow. There were others that I could think of, however, that had been there just as long and seemed as normal as you or me. All the questions hurt my mind. I heard a yelp yes. and some pained moans and turned to flat 51, where Essie was frantically trying to wrench herself up off the floor. And every time she got close, another bone would crack and her jaw would edge slightly lower and blood oozed from the wounds. Just, just, I cry. <laughs> my soul bleeds. Just let them go. This is pointless. Derek tried to interrupt to keep things moving. I wouldn't let him. Looking at my friend being tortured by her own body had only made me angry again. No, what do you mean she's natural? I shouted at him, curiosity about the conversation getting the better of me. Derek spoke as Albert smugly grinned in the background. Cat, we can do things. It doesn't just end with an extended life. We can manipulate some of the people and things that pass through here. That's why I was able to give Prudence the way to get Lila back. It's why those things listen to me. Derek pointed at Albert before continuing. He gave that cult the ability to burn the whole floor with their minds. Of course And he I did. gave the residents that died new life as the cats. It was them. Since, yeah. Since he left to stay down here, he's been messing around with anyone and anything he could get his hands on. I've tried to stop it over the years, but... I don't always manage. Those people you dealt with on the floor below the basement, they were all his failed experiments. Those poor oh. people were once residents upstairs that ended up here by mistake. Fifty years worth. No wonder they're screaming. <laughs> yeah, life must suck. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Albert couldn't let him continue. He was bursting with the need to gloat. I wouldn't say they failed. They're all beautifully grim. I thought what? you were a fan of giving things new life, little brother. What? There was little to no feeling in his voice. His sharp tone and dusty suit made him almost like a caricatured amalgamation of every Disney villain recorded. Except, in Disney films, the villains didn't always win, and looking at Essie writhing in pain on the floor of not her doorway, Albert had won already. Derek stayed silent. I could see he felt guilty for even being associated. He just looked at me in desperation. I tried to fathom what they were saying. So, Jamie was unnatural. I asked timidly, taking in the inference that his monster form had been nothing more than a byproduct of Derek's power. Just another twisted experiment, like the mangled people whose screams rang out in my ears. I wondered if he felt any pain like they did. He Albert, definitely did, Kat. Like, a lot. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> every time he cried and said your name before his eyes would go black. Yeah. Yep. Excruciating. Albert erupted into laughter and once again clapped mockingly. 
There's that intelligence I liked about you when we first met. It's in there, girl. Now you get it. Can you explain to me where your little friend came from? His words were patronizing, but he couldn't hide his curiosity. He took another few steps towards Ellie as Derek stood bravely in front of her. It's not often I find one I'm unaware of. I don't know how I've missed her, especially when she was able to do so much damage to my other creations. Mm. You should have seen what she did to the one of the pair that inhabit the lift. I have to have her. Ellie reached a claw hand forward and pushed Derek aside with such force that he was taken off his feet. She hissed just as she had with the rat creatures and the mangled people, and Albert winced but stayed stoic as his face filled with joy. You're mean, she shouted at him, and my heart She's melted a, a little <laughs> that she thought that those two words were fitting for the situation. If only things were as simple as they are in the mind of a seven-year-old. Derek stumbled to his feet and watched closely in all of Ellie's blind courage. Albert once again dropped to his knees to face her, and she stood defiantly, her voids fixed on his cold eyes. He started to reach his hand out toward her, and she softly growled in, his, in response. No. I screamed. Visions of her disintegrating in front of my eyes filled my mind. I couldn't let him touch her. I started to run towards them, but Derek grabbed me and held me in place as he whispered in my, into my muffled ear. He won't hurt her, but he will hurt you. I looked at his stumped hand and listened. Despite my discomfort, I thought back to the article about Albert's son's death, and for the first time I wasn't sure if I trusted Derek. How could I know for sure that he wouldn't hurt her? I was ready to jump forward and throw Ellie out of the way at any point. Albert stopped just millimeters short of Ellie's face his fingers hovering in front of the deep black voids. His eyes were filled with wonder. The expression on his face was how I must have looked the first time I saw her, too. It isn't just you, is it, oh, Ellie? Son of a bitch. He mused, a smile erupting across his face. There's two of you. I should have been alarmed, worried that he had realized she was a twin. I should have pondered how he knew, but at this stage, semantics were pointless. Instead, his lack of knowledge about Eddie's existence filled me with relief that he hadn't been harmed upstairs. If he had, Albert would have been so fascinated by his sister. Eddie wouldn't like you either, <laughs> she said bluntly, breaking Jeez. the magic in his eyes. Before it could make a single move, Derek had leapt across the room and got between them again. Let them go. Derek said calmly one more time. They don't belong down here. I'm finding it hard to believe that she didn't come from down here. And I promised that one. Albert tilted his head in my direction. A fate just like hers, he pointed at Essie, who had bloodied red tears running down her face as she squirmed on the floor. I watched the jagged edge of her snapped thigh bone scrape against the carpet, pulling it further out of her skin, and I cringed hard. Derek didn't respond to his brother, instead grabbed Ellie's clawed hand and walked her toward Essie's flat. What are you doing? Albert cried out in a condescending fashion, scrambling up from his knees and following. 
I couldn't bear to see him get closer. An anger bubbled inside of me and the entire floor went dead silent. All noise was replaced by a deep mental echoing of the screams of the mangled people. I thought all of the suffering the landlord had caused and watched as he edged towards that pure, innocent, demonic little girl. And I saw red. I sprinted at him and threw myself forward, tackling him to the floor from behind. Raising a clenched, <laughs> clenched fist, I punched him hard in the face. I had never hit anyone like that before. I'd never felt the red mist that those who get angry describe until that moment. I wasn't sure what I thought my interference would do. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to kill him and that I probably wouldn't be able to do any damage at all. But Ellie had saved me so many times already that night that I couldn't let him get to her. Albert's cold, dead-looking eyes bore into my soul and he let out a joyless giggle as he wrestled me to the ground so that he could have the upper hand. He hovered his hand over my face, just like he had to Jamie, pinning me down with the other. I wondered if it was the last thing his son had seen before he died. Jamie, Essie, before the torture, all of them. Had this been it? Could the last real memory they had be those cold eyes? I prepared to die since moving into the tower block. It was something that I'd done more than most, but this time felt permanent. Everything but Albert went black. I squeezed my eyes shut tight and tried to think of the things I wanted to remember. The people upstairs that had become family to me. Death never came. Instead, I felt a crushing and release as someone grabbed Albert from above me and threw him against the wall. I sat up panting in shock that I was alive. I was disoriented and my ears continued to ring. I opened my eyes. The artificial light started to penetrate the black and all I could see was Derek's tweed flat cap on the floor beside me and my heart stopped. The next sound I heard was familiar, but somehow bigger than ever before. I blinked a few times to see Ellie, claws raised menacingly in the air, roaring at Albert who had grabbed his brother and had in turn overpowered him. She was much taller and wider than usual, a gigantic figure towering above all of us, and her human features that came through the demonic ones were greatly reduced. If I didn't love her so dearly, I would be tempted to describe her as terrifying and monstrous. <laughs> Albert took his attention away from Derek, a smug and slimy smile forming ear to ear as he marveled at the giant girl. He moved toward her in a trance-like state. Ellie opened her mouth as she stood above Albert with her claws revealing long, sharpened teeth with prominent fangs in the front, and somehow her voids for eyes seemed infinitely deeper. And then she bit him. Her sharp fangs pierced Albert's skull, sending blood and brain matter spattering across the corridor and all over me, Essie, and Derek. She didn't stop there. Ravenously, she laid into him with her teeth, pinning him hoisted up to the wall with foot-long claws by his limbs. She had as good as crucified him and was consuming parts. The little girl can have some guts as a treat. <laughs> Bone and organ littered the floor and walls, and what was left of limbs twitched as she severed nerves. 
I watched in horror and awe, a symphony of screaming, growling and crunching, breaking through my muffled hearing. When he stopped moving, and what remained slid down the wall, leaving a trail of blood, Ellie's size reduced as well almost instantaneously. Neither me nor Derek had any words, as the now little-again demonic girl stood beside a corpse of her making. She ran toward Derek with her arms outstretched, bloodied mouth, and embraced him. He held her tightly, his kindly eyes filled with the shock of what he just witnessed. Yeah. After, <laughs> this one brother just got eaten by a little girl. After, he said, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> holy fucking, holy fucking shit, Master Wayne. After, after a minute or so, <laughs> she broke old. from Derek and turned to me and helped me up before doing the same. It felt good to know that she was safe. She stopped hugging and stood facing us before speaking, voids facing the ground. He was going to hurt us all. So we do have a couple more chapters then. This, this baby... This sweet, I, sweet little cinnamon bun. This sweet cinnamon roll just ate a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have like guessed it? Like a fucking... It? She broke herself a piece of that Kit Kat bar. And that also means that if he doesn't come back, daddy was full of shit. Yeah, really? God damn. Okay. You can never die in this house. And then on the back of the piece of paper, it said, unless you're eaten by a little demon girl. <laughs> Well, you know, it could have been just referring to lifespan. It could be lifespan, you know, like, yeah, I mean, as long as you don't do anything stupid, you'll live forever. But if somebody stabs you in the No, it said you will never die as long as you're here. Well, maybe he's still alive. Well, that's what I was actually hoping. Uh, I would love for him to be gone, but I feel like we have way too much story left for him to be just gone. we We have a little bit. Yeah, we have a little bit to go through. Part 17, never take the sunlight for granted. Derek and I stared at Ellie in silence. It wasn't a stare of horror, more of sheer disbelief. I couldn't be more grateful that she had saved our lives. What remained of Albert on the floor wasn't a source of alarm. Despite his extended life, she had ripped him into enough pieces that if he survived, he couldn't speak and must have been in unbelievable pain. Just like the residents he had tortured for years. You know what, I'm gonna, it, I'm gonna take that as like a finite death. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would have been a cruel irony, and I almost half hope he hadn't truly died, as sick as that may sound. No, I, I hope he's still alive. I hope that's his body, and he has to just be like that <laughs> He's now. just sitting there like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? I asked Ellie. She had shrunken and morphed back into a smaller demonic child, something I felt a need to protect, despite the fact that she clearly didn't need anyone to do so. I'm fine. She answered, head still hung as if she were ashamed. There was a pause for a moment. Thank you, sweetheart. We'd all be dead without you. Derek chipped in, his normal, calm, and positive tone restored. Ellie lifted her head and smiled as he recognized her for the hero she was. It wasn't that I didn't feel the same, it's just that the shock was overwhelming. We need to help another friend now, honey. Do you want to grab Cat and come with me? Ellie wrapped her clawed hand in mine as I clutched Derek's blood-soaked tweed cap with the other. She looked at me with love, just like she had at the beginning of this nightmare. <laughs> it's fine. God <laughs> damn. Ah. Oh. 
this demonic child is activating my maternal instinct <laughs> that I don't have. It's I bad. want a demon baby. <laughs> I'm like, oh, a sweet demon baby that never sleeps. Oh, that's great. <laughs> she eats people. Kind of does sound like a cat. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's not too far off from my cat. No. <laughs> The cold atmosphere of the floors below that we stood in had been reduced to a pile on the ground, just like Albert. <laughs> <laughs> we walked towards flat negative 51. Every step felt wobbly, like those few steps after a really spinny ride at the fair. I struggled to put one foot in front of the other. Derek dropped to where Essie lay squirming and put a gentle hand over her chest, carefully avoiding the splintered rib bones that stuck out. I'm so sorry. He said to her as he shut his eyes, leaned down, and kissed her bloodied forehead. The shards of bone that decorated her entire body started to move and rearrange. She squealed in pain as her skin started to cauterize over newly repositioned bone and innards. Her twisted limbs started to resemble something human again. I felt tears rolling down my face. Once she was as close to her usual self as she was going to get, Derek took a step back as she opened her eyes that had returned to the hollowed sockets and looked directly at me. Essie was blind. She had always been blind, but she knew that I was there. We held her gently as the three of us helped her to her sofa, an exact replica of the one upstairs, placing each bruised limb into position as carefully as we could. The bruises shone purple and green underneath the harsh, artificial lighting, reminding me that we weren't really home. Cat. She struggled to speak. Her jaw hadn't quite relocated the whole way. I knew what she wanted, though. <laughs> I reached into my pocket and pulled out a slightly bloody cigarette. Essie reached out with broken fingers and held it to her lips as best she could, and I pulled down the flat, put down the flat cap and lit it for her. Come on, sweetheart. We're going to stand in the other room. Derek said to Ellie as he ushered her into the hallway and away from the smoke, leaving me alone with Miss Beckman. I'm sorry, Essie, I started. She tried to reply, but she could barely make a sound. You were right, though. He did need help. Now, no one in the block is going to have to go through what you have anymore. I'm sorry I couldn't save you. Essie puffed on the cigarette with great difficulty. She could barely close her lips around it, but she persisted. Hell yeah. With a glint in her eye that indicated this was the first pleasure she'd enjoyed in quite some time. She grunted a strained no at me. Ellie did it. I can finally take her home now. I just wish we could take you and Derek with us. I lit my own cigarette and took a long drag from it. You can't, can no, not me. Go home. Go home. She managed, every word leaving a trail of pain in her face. Did she just try to say they can't go home? I think she was going to say, like, you can, I can't. So okay. I cringed. Despite her better appearance, she wasn't fixed. She was in just as much pain as she had been before. I smiled at her just to try and make her feel a little normal. Speaking in fucking riddles again, Essie, I responded, <laughs> trying to muster a laugh through the tears that continued to fill my eyes. She looked directly at me again, and I knew she had been serious. We finished our smoke in silence as I wept and she wheezed. Derek, I shouted after him a few more minutes with her, encouraging him back into the flat. Him and Ellie appeared within seconds. He took one look at me, nodded with tears in his eyes too, 
and he knew what to do. I got up from the sofa and pulled Ellie in for a hug, careful to avoid her horns, making sure that she faced me. And then I watched over her shoulder as he delicately closed Essie's eyes and the wheezing stopped. I held in a sob and clutched my young friend as tightly as I could. Derek walked towards us and put his arms around both of us for a moment in silent mourning before stepping back. Ellie looked up at me, a knowing in her voids, and she spoke. I want to go home now, cat. Her words broke what was left of my resolve. The sobbing began and Derek put his hand on my shoulder. He started to walk us out of the hallway, and as we reached the mess on the floor that had once been Albert outside the door of flat negative 42, I came to a sudden stop. No further. We need to go in here, I said, directing them into the open door of my anti-flat. Derek tried to speak in protest, but I stopped him the moment he opened his mouth. Please, just trust me. I wasn't angry or frantic like before, and I think that he knew I wasn't trying to lead us into more trouble. I recognized that I'd probably done enough of that to last a lifetime. As he hadn't led me astray before, her advice had been sound. I'd taken a few detours, but I got oh, to the right, right. place Go eventually. Yeah. Uh, if I were to respect her death, then I had to follow the last bit of advice that she gave out. The flat was familiar. My sofa, fold-out table, and kitchen were all there, identical to the ones I'd spent so much time at. The flat was windowless, the sole indication in my confusion that I wasn't truly home. I pulled back the, con the curtains of the balcony to reveal thick concrete behind them. It was sad, really, but I almost longed to see the window cleaner tapping on the glass, begging to be let in. I would trade his persistent harassment for my current predicament in a heartbeat. I wouldn't want to see him down here. That would terrify me. Yep, no, 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 no. Because if he's if he's like that up there, what the fuck would he look like down there? His demon form. No, thank you. No, thank you. He can stay up there, begging to come inside, running around on balconies, not cleaning windows and being really sad about it, because apparently that's his sole purpose. <laughs> I felt my face sink. Whatever Essie had wanted me to see here wasn't as clear as I'd hoped. I should have anticipated that it would be easy. Would not be easy. Derek and Ellie stood in silence as I inspected every inch of the place, even down to an equally smashed copy of the prison that I kept Jamie in. <laughs> Frustrated, I eventually looped back into the living room, prepared to walk out the front door and follow Derek to the basement entrance where he would leave us again. The prospect of going all, through all that for him to remain trapped in these layers was more disheartening than I had felt before. Wait, 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 wait. Why wouldn't Derek be able to go with them now? His brother is gone. There's. It's there's, a good fucking. That's no a good fucking question. Threat unless he's talking about like the monsters for some reason. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Then I saw the light. It wasn't a eureka moment or some sort of religious epiphany. It was an actual physical light. It wasn't artificial like the one that had plagued our stay in the Undertower. It was real, and it was coming from the sun. How? Derek uttered in wonder as his eyes fixed on the grate that had appeared at the top of the concrete behind the sliding balcony doors. The sun flooding in lit up his whole face and electrified his kind eyes. The opening looked just the same as it had the night I found the kittens, but from the other side, its appearance was all more poignant. Who would have thought that the metal bars could signify such freedom? When it first appeared, I had never imagined that something other than a basement could exist beneath the block. Thank you, Essie. I looked up at the ceiling and imagined her smile as it had been before Albert got to her. She knew she couldn't be saved, but she made sure Derek didn't have to stay and I knew that in her death she wouldn't have to suffer again. The grate was just large enough for a person to fit through with enough of a squeeze, and I could almost make out the shrubbery the twins and me had planted. 
See, you're coming too. I grinned at Derek for the first time with a bit of true joy I'd felt in quite a while. He didn't protest this time or argue at all. He just smiled back and said two simple words. Thank you. I pulled open the sliding door and Ellie, who had been stood to the side, climbed the curtain with her claws as quickly as possible like a little fucking rat. (laughs) I was amazed and grateful that she didn't pull them down. I watched in awe as she wrenched the bars away from concrete and uninterrupted sunlight poured into the lower flat. The sunlight bathed us all and Ellie dropped to the ground at the same time as her horns and claws began to retract. I couldn't pinpoint the exact moment the voids disappeared, but they did. And there she was, massive blonde hair on her head and puppy brown dog brown puppy dog eyes looking at us as she hit the ground with a thud. A little girl you wouldn't suspect more than a tantrum of replaced the ferocious beast that had protected me through this hellish landscape. The front door that led to the hallway where Albert's remains had lain had suddenly been replaced by a thick blank wall, just as the lift that brought us up here had been. All that remained was the flat, the three of us, and the open grate. I pulled one of the chairs from the fold-out table below and it turned to Derek. You first, you can pull us out. He was busy staring at the newly transformed girl. There was guilt in his eyes, and he looked at Ellie more strangely than he had when she was demonic. Regardless, the connection was still there. I I handed him the flat cap still soaked in blood, and he placed it onto his head with a genuine (laughs) smile. I think I might have. I might, yeah, I was about to say I might have rinsed it first. He looked at himself again. He looked himself again with it in place, and he took a step onto the chair. Before climbing out, he turned to us and winked. He wriggled through the grate with some difficulty and reached his hands back through. I watched Ellie's tiny, clawless hand clutch his fingerless one as he hoisted her through the gap. Left alone in the flat, I took another look at my surroundings and took a moment to consider all the pain beneath the block. I imagined a life where Ellie hadn't come with me and I was trapped for good or dead at the hands of the rat creatures. For real. As I burst through the small gap pulled by both Derek and Ellie, the bright light of sun and sensation of shrubs in my hair as I crawled through them felt like a rebirth. The garden was stunning. Dewdrops littered the green foliage and the rising orange sun lit them up like fireflies. I had never been more appreciative of it. Looking back at the outer edge of the building, the grate was gone, along with any indication that it had been there at all. I wondered why it had appeared in my flat down there, why I had been the person to find it both times. And I remembered what Albert had said about the building altering those who stay. I pondered if he was right, if it was possible that it had altered me already. We sat in the fresh morning air and I knew none of it really mattered. Standing outside the grim city tower block was cathartic. Gray concrete had never looked so inviting. We were home. The scenes of carnage and destruction that I had imagined would greet us when we entered the building were nowhere to be seen. Albert had certainly cleaned up. There was no kitten leg or creatures or even evidence of a kerfuffle. It made me all the more nervous. I had no idea who had been hurt. I forgot someone was hurt. Oh, God. The slow trudge to Ellie's floor was painful. My limbs all ached and the ringing in my ears continued. Still, I was just so glad to be getting her home. I couldn't wait to see Terry's face when she re-returned her daughter home safely. Ellie may have looked a mess, but she was alive and well, and it was the best I could ask for given the circumstances. I wish I could say that Terry greeted us with joy. I really do wish I could. Instead, her face was sullen. The dark circles that sat like tattoos looked deeper than before. The skin around her eyes was puffed up and swollen with tears. When she spotted Ellie, she fell to her knees with relief. I hoped that her face would brighten, but it didn't. Where is he? 
Oh, God. She sobbed, grabbing hold of Ellie and clutching her as tightly as she could. Where's my son? My heart dropped to my stomach. I'd made a sea of bad decisions in my time, but this, if this was what Albert had meant, was the worst consequence I could have imagined. I tried to find the words, but I couldn't. I'd never seen a person look quite so broken. The pain in the screams of the mangled people wasn't a patch on Terry's sobbing. Is... is that blood? Is that his blood? She asked, gesturing to our clothes and hair while struggling to speak. I had been complacent. If the creatures had overpowered Eddie, if they had won, then maybe there wasn't enough of him left over for Albert to see what, that he was like his sister. I shouldn't have written off the possibility like I did. <sighs> Sorry, There's no way. So There's no way it was Eddie. Please, for the love of you. It's like, why would Ellie be able to kick their asses so fast and he wouldn't? Yeah. Unless she fucked up the one of them so bad that it died and then the other one got stronger. Uh, I didn't think about that. Because he did say she fucked up one of them. Yeah. Derek stepped forward and put his hands on Terry's shoulders. She winced and I remembered the lockdown situation, the only grounding in reality that I'd felt since returning to the upper layers of the block. She looked him in the eyes. I don't know if you remember me, Terry. You were very small the last time we met. But I remember your parents. His kindly eyes had locked with hers as she melted and collapsed into him, wailing and gasping for air. Together we walked her to the sofa, not unlike how we had Essie not long before. I'd never known Terry's flat to be so quiet. Eddie was always playing. He was always so loud. And he always came home. Ellie was the absconder. It's why I found it easy to convince myself that Eddie was playing in his room, disrupting Terry's sleep like normal as we navigated the layers below. In all honesty, I think I was just trying to convince myself I couldn't possibly be responsible for the death of a child. Logically, I always knew that with his sister gone for so long that he'd go looking. I just hoped, I really hoped we would get home in time, that he could hold his own, I don't know, anything but this. I had buried my worries. Terry couldn't breathe properly through thick, heavy sobs. The noise muffled my already fucked up ears. Derek sat with his arms around her while Ellie nuzzled into his other side and I sat opposite, blood-soaked, devastated, and alone. Knock, knock, knock. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Thank fucking God. She's just playing. Whoever this is playing with us. The tapping on the door brought all conversation, sobbing and brooding to a stop. Terry sprinted to the door, hope in her eyes, and as it opened, she wailed in joy. Get off me, Mom. Where's Ellie? <laughs> the familiar voice of the young boy jolted me back into the room, and I turned to see Eddie, accompanied by none other than Mr. Prentice. Fuck yeah, yes. Mr. Prentice. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Mr. Prentice. <laughs> Eddie spotted his sister on the sofa and ran towards the three of us. Whoa, where did all the blood come from? Cool. <laughs> He shouted. There were a few cuts and bruises covering his limbs, but he seemed mostly unharmed. His excitement was enough to tell me that he was okay. Derek stared at him in disbelief, not unlike how he added Ellie upon their first meeting. I turned and walked towards the door to where Terry and Mr. Prentice were speaking. Mr. Prentice wobbled slightly as he kept himself propped up with his cane. What happened? I asked. I'm not sure. I heard a lot of banging and decided I should go and check what was going on. I found him at the bottom, by that ghastly lift. I didn't recognize the man in the suit, 
I couldn't get close enough, but I don't understand how anyone could stand over an injured child and not help. He ran into the lift when I got closer, and you know how I like to avoid that place. <laughs> I'm not sure why folk run from me sometimes, but it was probably <laughs> for the best. I'm not sure what I'd have done. He's like, I don't know why anyone would be bothered, but some been, people are... I must have been in some, the nude. He said some people are pussies. <laughs> <laughs> some people don't want to get fucked by a minotaur werewolf man. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just saying, he didn't try to hurt... Uh, he didn't... He, nope. he helped her when he was in that yep. form, so I'm just saying, I, the only people he that have run from him when he's in that Prudence form... and left uh, Kat right on the ground where she was. Mm-hmm, and, he, and she asked him for help. It might be a, a danger or a threat thing, like a, like an yeah. animal threat thing. I was about to say, I mean, the only people who have run from him are people who probably needed to, so just... Oh. Fair enough. I imagine Mr. Prentice in his animal form running towards Albert, imagining that the landlord had run scared from the beast, warmed my heart. <laughs> anyway, I'm rather tired, so if you don't... Mr. P stopped as he caught a glimpse from inside the flat behind us. His eyes widened. Is that... Derek? Derek came up behind us and reached out a bloodied hand to shake Mr. Prentice's. The elderly man looked unsteady on his cane as if he had seen a ghost. It's been years... He stuttered, beaming, firmly gripping Derek's intact hand. We shall have to have a drink together, my friend. Oh, we will. Derek smiled. I'm back now. There'll be plenty of time to catch up. Terry clutched the twins tightly as the two men reveled in their meeting. I couldn't help but smile quietly to myself and think of Essie. The kids were safe, Derek was back, and Albert couldn't continue to terrorize the block. <laughs> And yet again, Mr. Prentice had proved himself the real MVP. It's true. Fucking Mr. A, Mr. Prentice. Mr. Prentice is oh, literally shit. the MVP. I think that Ellie, Ellie and Mr. Prentice are the two MVPs of like the building, apparently. It's like, it's like Derek is clearly meant to be like this like guardian angel presence, right? Right. But he's not the one to like pragmatically, at least not all the time, pull them out of the shit. Right, exactly. It, it's like, Angela, Angela, yes, and I the still people, think that the people Angela, on floor nine, right? I think Angela is the single scariest thing that has happened in the story. In, I, in I, the I'd story. have to agree. Actually, <laughs> I really didn't okay. like that part. I did not care for that. I will be thinking about this tonight. <laughs> I am going to be When I lay in bed, I'm going to refuse to take the stairs tomorrow on my way down from my apartment to go to work. I, I am going to have to close all of my closet doors. I'm like, the lights are staying on. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so creepy. Where are we at? Okay. We left Terry and the kids to finally have some family time. Ellie hugged Derek so tightly as we left, I thought she might crush him. We walked back to the seventh floor where mine and Mr. P's flats were. It should have been a victory walk, but I couldn't shake the feeling that everything wasn't entirely over. My feeling was confirmed once the door to flat 48 closed behind Mr. Prentice and Derek looked at me gravely. There's a few more things you need to no. know, Kat. Can you get cleaned up and meet me in the garden? Uh -huh. It's gonna be like an ending thing, though. 
it's gonna yeah, be you're like, right. You're right. you know, like we, we only have so many pages, so it's going to be like a, this is going to describe a couple things, maybe answer a couple questions we hadn't answered, you yeah, know, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go from there. Could leave things open-ended enough for another story, but I don't know, this feels pretty so, final. So I'll get into that when we're done. Okay. I'll, I'll get into the author's kind of sequel works. Okay. That okay. that came that came after this. Part eighteen. This building will never be short of surprises. Another understatement. <laughs> An another understatement. Every chapter has been titled with an understatement. Fucking crazy. Home didn't feel as empty as it once had. Even without Jamie or Mr. Meows, I felt more hope than I had in months. I greeted Wrinkles and Tetley, fed them, and sat down to smoke at my fold-out table. Natural sun poured in through the windows, but my home would never look quite the same after my time in the Undertower. I turned on the shower and must have stood underneath the water watching Albert's blood run down the sink for at least a half hour. Overwhelmed mm -hmm. doesn't cover it. Shut down would be more accurate. Yep. I dithered while getting ready, exhausted, and starting to feel the lack of sleep once again. My eyes were heavy. Sitting down on the bed was fatal. I woke up a few hours later, worried that I'd left Derek waiting, which you probably just said, what the fuck is taking her so long? He's like, God damn it, she's dead again. She fucking <laughs> fell asleep, didn't she? Fuck. I don't sleep. <laughs> I rushed out of the flat and down the stairs of the garden. They were extra kind and only made me take one flight going straight from the floor to the main entrance. Oh, wow, I couldn't have nice been more that. grateful. I was exhausted. Outside on the bench, there he was. I don't know how or where he got clean, but his flat cap was as fresh as ever. I suppose after all the unbelievable things I'd learned, I shouldn't have even spared it a thought, but it was magic nonetheless. I'm sorry, I fell asleep. I shouted before he had a chance to turn his head and notice me. It's fine, Cat. I had a few things to do anyway. He spoke with a smile, the kind that you can just hear in a person's tone, and as I approached him and the garden, I realized why. I felt a lump form in my throat, and tears well in my eyes as I noticed the tiny bundle in his lap. It was bald wrinkly and had exactly three legs oh, <laughs> mr meows there was nothing i could do about his foot <laughs> i think the others ate that they did but i thought this little guy deserved another shot at life derek grinned from ear to ear as i stared in disbelief at the tiny cat in front of me Disregarding their burning properties entirely, I scooped him up and held him close, only putting him down as he singed my face a little. Thoughts started to whir in my mind, but before they could ever fully develop, Derek turned to me gravely and squashed them. I know what you're thinking, but there was nothing I could do for Jamie. After what Albert did. Don't apologize. I cut him off. What I did was selfish. Albert was right. Jamie died a long time ago. Sometimes I wonder if, even if I could have him back, I, maybe I'm a different person now to the one he knew. Derek didn't respond. He just watched while I played with Mr. Meows, tickling his belly as he rolled around, purring on my lap. 
I know you must still have a lot of questions, and if I'm honest, I'm not sure any of them have answers that'll satisfy. I'm no oracle. I still have questions myself. But I want to tell you all that I know. I looked at him in confusion. Almost all loose ends had already been tied, and anything else seemed almost arbitrary. But Derek did everything with purpose, so I stayed quiet and I listened. Albert and I were never close. I told you downstairs that not trying harder was my biggest regret. I've come to realize that was a lie. And it's time I faced the true regret that haunts me. I tried to imagine what he could be talking about, but I couldn't. I nodded and listened instead. When we moved in, after our father died, we continued to lead very separate lives. I worked on the garden and embraced the strange things that happened around me. I don't know why I found it so easy to accept. I've seen hundreds come through this block, and almost all of them have been horrified at first, but I wasn't. When we first got here, there were only a handful of occurrences that showed themselves. The boy that lives in the mirror, the postman, along with others, came with the building. The longer we stayed, the more we discovered. I saw it as magic, a whole new world that most people never get to see. Albert didn't see it that way. He became paranoid, always looking over his shoulder, thinking that things were out to get him. Derek took a moment to look at the grass, a sadness on his face, and I grabbed his fingerless hand to comfort him. What happened to him? He wasn't always the man you met. He was always a cold, ruthless bastard. But I would have never considered him evil. This place... The place you and I call home, it started to drive him into darker and darker places. He didn't move his family in with him. He wanted to keep them separate from his business, and although I was intent on staying here, Albert never expected to be here longer than a few months. They would come and visit, and his wife, Darla, started to express concerns to me. She would come by my flat after visiting him leaving their son with him to spend some time together while she claimed she was shopping in the city. She said he seemed frightened and angry. She was worried that he was losing his mind. Tears started to roll from his kindly eyes. Derek had always seemed so wholly good, such a wonderful person that it was hard to consider him mourning someone like Albert, but no one chooses the family they're born into. And I don't believe that anyone is entirely good or bad having feelings for an awful person couldn't take away from his spirit. What did you do? This is exactly it, Kat. I didn't do anything. I dismissed Darla entirely, and I wrapped up in my own world of discovery. I wrote him off under the assumption he wouldn't have listened to me anyway. Albert got worse. Darla got more worried. Eventually, he stopped answering the door. Mental health services were terrible in those days. There wasn't a great deal we could do. Albert controlled his money and Darla couldn't get her hands on it to pay for care. If I hadn't ignored it then, maybe. His son would be alive? I wish it were that simple. He answered and paused for a moment. We sat in silence, just holding hands for a few minutes until he spoke again. I need to show you. It's the only way you'll understand. He gestured to Mr. Meow. Let's take him home. 
We took the stairs, skipping a few floors as we went before reaching the door to my flat, the real one, without the minus symbol in front. It was the first time that Derek had been inside since I moved in and it felt good to be in a room with him while not in a state of imminent crisis. The kittens were pleased to be reunited and were quickly cuddled in a heap on the sofa. Mr. Meow's return bought me more joy than I thought possible. I retrieved the chair that I'd used to prop up Jamie's prison and made tea before we sat together at a fold-out table. What do you need to show me? He didn't answer me directly and instead continued to talk about his family. His name was Jonathan, my nephew. I may not have been best of friends with my brother, but I loved that boy more than life itself. He enjoyed the garden and getting dirty. He wasn't like Albert or our father. He was a worker like me. I smiled. It was nice to imagine someone taking after Derek. He sounds wonderful. He was. He was only 19 years old when he died. No life at all. Especially when you consider how many years me and his father have lived for. He had just started his own business, had a fiancé, and even in the worst of times, he didn't give up on his dad. It broke his heart when my brother stopped answering the door. So he got creative, and he resorted to desperate measures to try and reach Albert. I started to piece things together in my head, a pit forming in my stomach, as I stopped him to ask one question that was on my mind. What was his business? Derek looked at me, shame in his eyes. He knew that he would have to say it out loud and confirm what I already knew. He was a window cleaner. Fuck. I didn't say a word. I wasn't <sighs> unsure how to respond. I racked my brain trying to comprehend what I was hearing. The knocking on the balcony door from behind the curtain started. The familiar groaning and whining sounds soon followed. Derek could sense my discomfort and broke the silence. When Jonathan climbed a tower to try and see his dad, he scared him. Albert wasn't in a good way. He was edgy and defensive. I don't know what happened for sure, but that knock from outside must have really triggered something. He went outside, and he stabbed him. Multiple times with the kitchen knife. But you know that bit. It's what happened next that wasn't reported. My mouth hung open. Albert came to me. He told me exactly what he'd done. We fought. I could have killed him myself, but when I looked at him, I could see that he wasn't right. It was in his eyes, Cat. He wasn't my brother anymore. I tried to reason with him and get him to hand himself in, but he refused and got aggressive with me, saying that I just wanted to get my hands on the block. I left him in my flat to calm down so I could go to Jonathan. The window cleaner continued to scratch on the balcony door, his whines accompanying Derek's tail. He was out there, on the balcony. He was dead. One look at him, and I knew no ambulance could help him anymore. I sat with him for an eternity, trying to work out what to do. I should have called the police, but I couldn't bring myself to shot my own brother. There was no hope for Jonathan, but I thought I could help Albert. I was wrong. When I returned to my flat, he was gone. 
I begged the building to help me. I would have done anything to bring Jonathan back, but wishes work in mysterious ways here. And once the body was found, Albert was already missing, and my nephew had become the monster that lives on the balconies to this day. Uh. I stopped him. I tried to process what he was telling me. But he wasn't found for days. Why didn't you call the police? Why did you tell the residents not to let him in? Confused. Love works in mysterious ways, Cat. I hope you, of all people, can understand that. I was never fond of my brother, but I did love him, and without any way of saving his son, I wanted to give him a head start. And the residents? Remembering the strict rule that Prudence had left, stating that I shouldn't let him in under any circumstances. That's where things get complicated. I didn't realize at the time, but what he became was the building's way of giving him back to me. He is what he is because of me. And when you see, you'll understand. He grabbed my hand and walked me to the balcony door, letting go and pulling back the curtain to reveal the friendly-looking man I'd always seen outside my window, collapsed against it, scratching on the glass. Upon second inspection, I could see the family resemblance, but it wasn't one that I'd ever considered possible before. Prudence had told me about her experience with him, with Derek showing her what he truly looked like. I still hadn't expected quite what I saw when Derek rested his hand on my shoulder and told me to look. The window cleaner was gaunt, with bones protruding beneath his tight, thin, grayed flesh, raw skin and wounds that were in varied stages of healing. He looked truly horrifying, but what alarmed me the most were his impossibly deep black voids for eyes. Is it not they what we did? We call too familiar. <laughs> We fucking called this. We called this. We're geniuses. We, called this a, we deserve we called this a while ago. We deserve an award. <laughs> we we deserve this a while we're so ago. smart. You can't say black voice for eyes and not have us immediately jump to that fucking distinction. You, exactly. You can't do we're, that. We I, I don't care how obvious it was. Um we're both <laughs> smart. We are literary geniuses. I actually don't think it was I, that obvious. I think I think they describe the rat monster's eyes as as black voids. Well, I remember. Yes, they did. I think. Although they do, they, they yes, changed. but they also describe them as being like they distinctly. Would change. They would like, go from the human to like rat-like beady. Right. Exactly. Like it isn't quite the like void, like the absence of like stuff. I'm ready. I turned to stare at Derek, unsure of quite what to say as a million realizations crossed my mind. He started to speak again. I didn't want the residents to hurt him, Cat. When he gets inside, this form is revealed and so many tried to hurt him at first. I found Aww. myself constantly telling people to ignore the friendly window cleaner and hoped that he would be safe from their fear of the unknown. I'd seen Albert's reaction to anything remotely different, and I couldn't bear Jonathan to face the same from the entire block. It was safer to leave him out here. After all, only someone who sees the good in everyone would let him in and accept him. And, th and those people are one in a million. Derek half smiled knowingly. Terry. <laughs> Finally realizing who the twins' fathers was. How did she, like, 
Okay, I'm she into- just saw him as a nice guy who wanted to come. I was inside. about to say. I mean, I guess it like he's so sad. Like if he comes, like if he comes in and he like just looks terrible, but he doesn't do anything, and she's like, "Here's a cup of tea." Like, and they just vibe together. I, I mean, you know what? Good for her. I don't think that he's really my type, but I, I can't knock it, honestly. Considering what I would smash is like in what what's Mr. Prentice's flat number <laughs> is in down the hall. I guess I can't shit on Terry for this one. I I'm just I'm just sad. I'm sad that like Albert at his time like knew that that might have been his grand's grandkid. That's probably and that part there's of why. Nothing like you know he he was like a second away from making that distinction. Oh yeah. <sighs> well, I'm glad his grandkid ate him. Fuck him. Uh, circle of life. He deserves it. He <sighs> killed his son. His grandson killed his granddaughter. Killed him back. I didn't know about them. Albert had me trapped below by the time Terry was in school. But the second I saw Ellie with you in that stairwell, I knew that she was family. When I realized that Jonathan's new form was a direct result of my actions, I started to come to terms with the power that this place had given me. I embraced it. I used it. I used it to hide Jonathan from his father, who I discovered had fled to the sealed floors not long after the murder. He never knew what became of his son. That shielding must have transferred when the twins were born. It was why he didn't know they existed. Once Albert had discovered his power, along with all the issues and the isolation he drove himself into, it just twisted him up into the man you knew him as. He made it his mission to know all the special residents, but he never saw Jonathan again. Why are you telling me this? Emotion making it a little hard to speak. I wondered if Terry had continued a relationship with the window cleaner and why she had kept so quiet about the twins' dad. I processed the fact that Ellie had not only saved my life, but in doing so, she had killed her own grandfather. Oof. I couldn't judge Terry or Derek for their actions. He was right. Love works in mysterious ways, just as it had when I made my choice regarding Jamie, and when I subsequently accepted that he was gone. I'm showing you because I think you'll understand, and because I don't want you to spend your life riddled with guilt for Jamie. We all make mistakes. Mine was a big one. But out of it came two of the purest creatures to walk this earth. And for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> he smiled again, and as he thought of Ellie and Eddie, he looked me dead in the eyes and spoke again. It's Tom. I corrected my wrongdoings. Solemnly, he walked towards the doors and slid them open, coming face to face with the monstrous shell of a man holding a squeegee. The window cleaner took a step inside, struggling to move on his bone-thin legs, and stopped millimeters from Derek's face. <laughs> I couldn't help it despite what I knew. He scared me. The twins had balance. Even in their demonic form, there was a visible person there. Their father didn't resemble a person at all. The visceral reaction he ignited in me further proved Derek's point. People will generally attack what they fear. Had I been alone and let him in, I'd almost certainly done the same. 
I watched with bated breath as Derek wrapped his arms around the bag of bones in a warm embrace. I watched as he let out a gentle sob, and the window cleaner began to disintegrate Aww. into dust before my eyes. No! <laughs> I shouted, hoping there was some other way, a happier solution, knowing full well that there wasn't. There was a heavy quiet in the room for a few moments. It was no life, Cat. I was cruel to let it continue as long as I did. Derek responded, turning to me. Although similar to the way I had watched my love disappear on our bedroom floor, Derek's action wasn't filled with malice. It was done for the sake of mercy. Derek came towards me and hugged me. I felt emotionally and physically battered, fragile, and my ears continued to ring, but regardless, with him free and with me, I felt safe. Life in the block could finally begin, with no more dark secrets hanging over me. Amongst all the death and the chaos, there was joy to be found. It's over now. A new chapter. He whispered into my ear as I sobbed tears of relief into his shoulder and the three cats played at our feet. <laughs> Days passed and normality started to resume. I broke lockdown in order to give Terry some rest and spend some time with the twins. It was the least of all my sins throughout this time. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Fucking babysitter for life. Yeah, literally. It took a lot of explaining and apologizing, but she eventually came around and forgave me for endangering her kids. It sounds simple when put like that, and I'm sure parents reading this would deem me unforgivable, but their kids aren't Ellie and Eddie, and there aren't many folks out there as forgiving and loyal as Terry. That is true. Both both cases. <laughs> there is there is no one who is as forgiving like and loyal as Terry. No, no one. I haven't broached the subject of their paternity their paternity to her. I'm not sure if I ever will, but I hope that one day she'll feel comfortable enough to volunteer the information herself. I continue to pick items up for Mr. Prentice and take money to Carmilla at the gnome. I'm looking forward to drink there when this is all over, although I'm sure Mr. P will drink me under the table. The kittens are happy and growing every day. Truth be told, I think Mr. Meows looks badass with his missing leg, Fuck especially yeah. knowing the heroism it symbolizes. Things have started to look so positive that I almost forgot where I lived. I had been in such a daze of relief that I hadn't noticed that the stairs had skipped floor five from the moment we returned from the Undertower. I probably would have gone longer in blissful ignorance if I hadn't have found myself on that floor earlier today. The black sign was the same as the one on the floors above and below that had sported a minus symbol before it. Thankfully, however, the artificial light that plagued those floors was nowhere to be seen, and sunlight poured in. I smiled when I first saw the sign, prepared myself to greet the man with a new name. But he wasn't there. His absence was a reminder that no matter how many tribulations I may have conquered, living here there would always be another just around the corner. Instead of the man without a name, in his place was the woman, Angela. Vomit. The worst. Of course they brought the worst fucking thing from the under building up. <laughs> Literally so much worse than any of Out the of other Out of all things. of the ways to end that, I really... Out of all the ways to end that, I really don't, I don't, I don't know if I like that. 
I'm I'm torn because on one hand, Angela is the scariest fucking thing that I have seen. And honestly, I think any of the stories we've read, actually, I would argue. Although I did not much care for the uh, the doppelganger with the hat from that one story. The, the hat man, whatever. I can't remember what he was called. He, he creeped me out. But this lady's like yeah. next level shit. Like, I, I think that she's even creepier than like the demons and like the fucking whistling it, bitches it and whatever else is out to, there. It rings true to like every great like sci-fi trope right like the thing that stares the thing that doesn't move the the unblinking watching thing Mm -hmm. the alien in nature the unnatural in nature and then when it does move it breaks everything in your psyche that you've come to understand about it Uh uh-huh um it's 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 like a deep dark fear that like a lot of people have just about like mm-hmm. the unknown. Well, it's also know? like I feel like her like I'm super into like you know liminal spaces like the back rooms all of that bullshit and that is the oh, totally. most like back rooms ass demon like I have ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, like you're wandering around down there, you turn a corner and you're not supposed to look at this one chick. Yeah, and totally. she's just sitting there. Totally. And it's like, yeah, it's also the fact that clearly she has like a very a grief motivation, which means that she's not she's even more irrational. Yeah, she's not able to be reasoned with. No, not at all. Not at the all. The end of the story is almost grim. It is grim, especially because Angela was so fucking scary and she was very clearly targeting the kid. But I don't. But does her. So Derek is now the owner. Yeah, he's vibing. He's good now. So apparently Albert maybe really he super like chomped up. Maybe he brought her up as like a kind of way to assuage her. Maybe. Or maybe. And maybe. Yeah, but but wouldn't it have been better to end the story with I saw Angela and the man from floor five holding each other? Yeah, or like even like, if isn't they were that just, the ending you want? Even if they were just like sitting next to each other, not doing anything. holding hands, like or just yeah, like anything. <laughs> literally, just them sitting next to each other, not touching but staring into space <laughs> at the same time, and it's like wow, relationship goals. Hehe. <laughs> I just I. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't love it as there's an ending. something there's something about that ending that that feels very wrong. The way like the way like an a Junji Ito story would end mm-hmm. where where you just have that pit in your stomach where you're like that wasn't happy despite it being over. Right. I don't know. I think like I I think that it's because of the way that it was going, it feels like kind of a gotcha, you know? Like, because we were kind of going towards, like, as much of a happily ever after as this story Are you saying that we're watching Sinister and you just last minute bagooled me? Yes, that's exactly what I think happened. I see you, bagool. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) That shit's so stupid. But but I... I, Like, I I don't hate it because the story has been so fucking good up to this point that I am willing to forgive this. I think that... No, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't, I don't like hate it. it. Though. It's not what I it's not what I expected and right off the bat I have to say that for us calling a lot of how the story progressed, I like that it ended with something I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. But here's here's what I wanted to stop you from talking about earlier. If we're getting into the other stuff that this author has written, she's written all of her stuff, at least I think it's a she, 
in the universe of this story. Right, okay. So if you click on that link that's at the bottom, it does show you the other things that they've that they've written. And the first sequel to this is Carmilla's story, which is the per- the chick who works at the bar. At the bar, right, who, right, right, who right. serves Mr. Prentice. Then there's someone named Dana, who's a dentist for monsters. Right. And then at the bottom it says Elle's story, and I'm not sure if that's... Ellie. Just Ellie or someone else. And then the last person is named Amelia. Okay. Which... Which is even more different. So, like, I... Yeah, these are... I wonder if they, like... I wonder if they connect to one another, like, later. Like, we have... Like, Carmilla is mentioned previously. Right. But so it maybe seems Dana like is mentioned in Carmilla's, in Carmilla's and maybe Elle's is yeah. mentioned in Dana's. Exactly. It is... It's all women. I'll tell you what, if it's a dude writing this, it's, like, the high-key, one of the best... Uh, men like writing women I've seen ever. I I really can't say. Um, I'm reading some of the notes and it does sound like a woman. Yeah, it's hard to t- let's. Let, I know. Let's stereotype. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm a feminist, and then I'm like, this has to be a woman. There's no mm. way a man could do this. Like, but we're just going off of everything we've read before on the show. It's been so many years. I think we're true. allowed to make those assumptions. It's true. It's true. It's true. And I mean, honestly, like, I do. It's just, I honestly have really fucking enjoyed this. I would not mind reading. I would absolutely not mind reading. Reading the rest of Pickled Gnome's stuff. Yeah, exactly. Or like, and I mean, honestly, even if we don't, like... Get back to it immediately. Sorry, I'm skimming. I'm skimming the comments actually, real quick. That's what I was doing. Next direct continuation. Okay, yeah. So that's her talking about the second part that she did eventually write. I mean, the the avatar looks like a girl, so. That's what I thought too. I mean, she posted eight hours ago. To the. uh... Oh, three months ago. Hello, everyone. Uh, answering a question in response to a third series, it would be the story of Angela and the man on floor five. Right, exactly. A lot more explore- exploration of Undertower, how it came to be, developments in current day that would affect future. Uh, if you just finished reading that one, she recommends Dana's stories next. Okay. As that's the most complete and intertwined with the tower block. Okay. Well, you know... I don't know. Maybe we'll just have to keep an eye. I don't know if I want to dabble in everything else that that this person's done. Yeah. Just to kind of leave that out there for for any of our any of our listeners to uh-huh. kind of go into if they want. But maybe if we if we come back and visit this in some other time, I'll try to keep I'll try to keep our series right here mm-hmm. in mind because what I what I want is some type of eventual like like what I had with Whistlers mm-hmm. where I have some type of eventual subconscious desire to say what became of that like like right. a couple years from now you know and then eventually find out that the the author did actually continue that because that's what happened with whistlers we read parts one and two in episode like 40 and then like later right, in episode right. 60 something i found out that there was a third part so you know like 
it doesn't need to be congruent. And as we can tell right now, the author didn't write a, a third part yet. Right. Not that I can see. I'm like spinning. So where we're at, you know, it's wishful thinking to it start is. with. It is. But hell of a fucking series. Right. And it looks like she's got a couple of other little like short stories that she just posts to uh, No Sleep. I also found a Patreon post. It is a woman. We were correct. It's confirmed. <clears throat> they call it. They call it the the new new to town yep. jam. Well, fucking love you, babe. Thank you. Yeah, pickled gnome. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. You're the bomb. Seriously. That was that was some serious shit. And and with how many well written series you and I have particularly done, like mm-hmm. there's only so many people on this show that I could be like, everything we read is good. And like, Cannibal Siren. Where am I? Uh, Django Phillips, Tenron Otrin, like, you know, it's, it's just like, we constantly find ourselves in situations where people go off left fucking field and run with it. And they take these like fantastic concepts and just fucking nail it. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And like, I'm, I'm re-listening to the show right now. Like I've, I've, I've mentioned many times and as as I get more through it and as I approach like even the hundredth episode, like I'm on 80 something right now. And even as I approach the hundredth episode, I, f- I find myself like sweating, like apprehensively for for what I wish for the. Uh, like where I wish for this series to continue going, to constantly be upping the scales, to right. to constantly be going in newer more creative, more interesting places. And this series is no fucking like it, 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 it's the best example I can think of to date where you and I came out of nowhere and I saw just a title and I thought of you and I said, I got to read this and it's been sitting here for like a year. Huh? And I just said, we got to do this. It's time. And it fucking floored us. Yeah, it did. Honestly, like, I, I really think this might be my favorite. I feel like I say this every time we do an episode. I love when we say that shit, though, because we re- we really do, though. Like, I'm I, as I'm re-listening to the episodes, I, I like I just listened to like 77 or 78, whatever Django was on. Uh-huh. And he literally says the same thing. And that was 77. Right. I've recorded <laughs> I've recorded. 20 other episodes with the guy. He's been on like 30 some episodes, mm-hmm. you know, like for him to say that not even a quarter of the way through our like tenure together, like it, it fills me with joy every time we say that because right. there are some seriously talented people out there Definitely. who deserve like all of this fucking credit. And just because we're reading it and just because we're talking about it and in some type, you know, some ways critiquing it and, and, you know, uh, amplifying it a little bit by acting you know it still leaves room for us to sit in the same position as everyone else to 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 consume this media the same way anyone else is without a doubt and this one was fucking i had been looking i genuinely had been looking forward to this one for a while to the point where i it was between this one and another one, which is just a little bit longer. And I like, I like looked at myself. I was like, I don't know if I could read like a fucking seven part thing with cannibal siren right now. 
<laughs> so I was just like, let me do an episode count. This would work better. This is what we're doing. And it I'm I'm glad. I am too, honestly. I'm just like I'm I'm really just like taken aback by like how much I enjoyed this and also just like how well paced it is because I always say those 18 parts, those 18 individual chapters. It was, I mean, you know, 165 pages and I mean, 165 pages in word. It's, I think that I read that the ratio is like, I know that it's a PDF, but it's pretty much a word document. And yeah. that's like, uh, it's like 1.75 published pages. So, I mean, this is like, you know, a 300 page book essentially. Like it's a it, yeah in small script in a paperback yeah this would be exactly this would be over be, this would be over three hundred pages totally. exactly and so and I just my I always say because I read a lot like I read a shitload and I do yeah. write myself as well um, and Same. I say all the time that my biggest and most common problem that I have with every single like story specifically like written mediums is pacing. That's always like the biggest issue. Half the time when I have a problem with a book, even if everything else is perfect, the pacing always just feels a little off. And in this particular story, I just it never it felt tight. off to me ever. I was, was never, tight. I never Each had chapter. There were some chapters that were like 10 pages longer than other ones. Didn't fucking care. No, it didn't matter. Didn't fucking care. It was all in service to the plot. It was all in service mm -hmm. to the story. In fact, if if I read a little bit longer than you did and you read a little bit longer than I did, couldn't even really notice yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't notice. I From episode to episode, couldn't really even notice it. Exactly. And, like, especially with, like, the way that the narrative arcs kind of happened, they all sort of meld into one another really, really well. And, I mean... There was, we had the first, like, you know, hint about the window washer being the kid's dad in, like, the beginning of, like, the first part. It was when Prudence yeah, it was when, talked about Exactly, it. when Prudence talked about what he, like, really looked like. You could tell, you could tell that, that the person who wrote this, they, they really kind of sat back and, and did the storyboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they here's really Here's the line, here's, it. here's the question, here's the answer. When am I going to give it? I don't know. Exactly. And I just when would it when would it mean the most when it would be the most relevant when when is this going to have the most dramatic effect? Really, just really great. I definitely just really just, great. Yeah, just I, really fucking I just like really fucking say, like like mapped this one out mm -hmm. and made it work in the best possible way. And there were a lot of there was a lot of like really good symbolism like, the creepy stuff that she chose to do was very creepy. Like, every monster or every, like, weird happening that Always she Always came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It, it came out of... Very different. Right, but that's good the thing, variety. Though, is that it, like, it, A, came out of nowhere, which is always good. We love a surprise. B, they were all unique. They were really, really unique. Like, most yeah. of the stuff, like, is stuff... Like, and I mean, some of them follow tropes, but the actual, like, construction of the monsters and of the building and of the happenings is very, very different from stuff yeah. that I've seen before. And also, like, their hostility also ranges, which I think makes it more interesting because you have some stuff that is just, like, weird and annoying but not really, like, a problem, and then you have some stuff that's a fucking problem in Are all you... caps. Just just because you mentioned back rooms earlier, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. now that I know that you're interested in that, I actually wrote a bunch of uh, like liminal short stories myself because I like it so fucking much. I actually based my first dread campaign off of back rooms. Nice, but 
but um, we haven't played that yet. I don't know if that's going to be the episode 50 cap off. I don't, I don't know yet. I'll, I'll cut that if it doesn't end up being that. <laughs> okay. um, I invited like six people. I, I crafted their characters. I wanted them to play Dread, which is the, uh, the Jenga tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to have them try to get through like an experience, which is essentially like backrooms and cube, like had a baby. Oh, sexy. I love it. And um, so I just wanted to ask just to just to dip my toe into something further because I just um, kickstarted this one. Um, they're selling in paperback um, a compendium of I would say not all of them, but like greatest hits with really great artwork of uh, the SCP Foundation. Right. Are you familiar with SCP? Extremely. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, I just uh, they they sold like oversized hardbacks mm -hmm. for like a hundred a piece like a year ago, and I just didn't want to spend that much money on books. Right. And now they're doing, or maybe they're like sixty to eighty dollars. Regardless, um, they're doing twenty five dollar hardbacks with like art from art artists all over the world, um, doing like specific breakdowns about specific you know, Keter and Passable classes. Mm -hmm. And, like, I immediately pressed back. <laughs> like, I immediately put my my name, my card, my info down, and I said, I need these books on my shelf. This is something, this is, like, a world I've always wanted to dive more into that I only vaguely know some of the, some of the worser aspects of. But I want to know the goofy side. I want to know the funny side. I want, like, I know of them, but I want to read them. I want to consume them. Right. And, like, if you hadn't known of SCP at all, I would highly, highly, highly recommend just kind of putzing around maybe YouTube for people who are very well versed in it much more better than I am to kind of have them explain some of the, and, and this is a recommendation to the entire audience too. I, I've brought it up numerous times in older episodes, but like look up SCP foundation shit online. It is a treasure trove of both the terrifying and the hilarious in, in unnatural and supernatural occurrences. Right. Exactly. And the reason I mention it, is because that's how this series made me feel. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You never quite know which rooms are going to hold or which hallways or which floors or which elevators are going to hold like a Keter class. Yeah, enemy. And a fucking a you whole know? thing. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's like we that 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 kind of always persisted in my mind but I wasn't able to find the best way to talk about it until now and and it's fresh in my mind now because I just I literally just bought those books so shout out to that kickstarter if it's still up by the time this episode comes out which I don't think it will be I think it finishes in the end of September and now I feel bad but buy them if they're available in paperback anywhere because the people who came together and put together those materials are very talented people Agreed completely. And the SCP Foundation shit is just a treasure trove of fun and creative and terrifying fiction. Right, exactly. And it's funny because, like, you know, I, I'm always, I'm a self-proclaimed baby. Um, huge, everything scares me. I, like, I don't do haunted houses. I don't do any of that shit. I can't. It makes me, like, I, I'm throwing <laughs> up. I'm crying. I'm screaming. I can't yep. deal with it. But, and I can't, I don't watch horror movies, generally. 
but I love like reading this shit and I can do video games if I'm watching someone else playing them, but I require yep. a security blanket. <laughs> require. I will not do it without one. It makes me nauseous. And honestly, <laughs> sometimes I take off my glasses because it's too scary. <laughs> and then I can't see it and it's I'm going to have to get you for a let's play at some point. Oh, I'm going to have oh. I'm going to have to like <laughs> There's there's gonna be a month where I I lug like a 360 over to your place oh, for man, like three weekends and we go through something. A 360. Because I'm really scared now. <laughs> there were so many good horror games. There in that, literally in that were. Range, I'm not. Though. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> I'll never forget my ex-boyfriend. There were so many good. I'll never forget my ex-boyfriend who did introduce me to video games, and for that I love him very much. However. He had, you know, shown me Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and I was like, oh, this is great and fun. He was like, I have another great and fun game. I was like, oh, goody, this is fun. We're teenagers. He said, yes, we are teenagers. We're having a sleepover. Let's play Dead Space 2. Which, and is, I was which like, is up on the YouTube probably at this point I now, like, too. <laughs> I was like, you know, that sounds kind of scary. He was like, no, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it is not fine. It was not fine. <laughs> As someone who loves that series, it, it is not fine. I cannot, my dear listener, I cannot tell you how not fine it was. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even make it through like the first walking sequence. Like it didn't. Oh, no. I fucking, I nope. died. I Neither did I. Died. Neither I did I. <laughs> perished. In literally and physically. However, I just like, I love so much the existence of these like creepy and nerving weird things and I love how complicated these stories can get and I feel like this is like a perfect example of like the kind of la like layers of complication where we get something we get so many things that are creepy and scary and upsetting and like nasty in some cases but all of it is so fucking compelling that you're like holy shit that was awful I have to know what <laughs> I have to know what's next <laughs> even if it's even worse and reading is easy, you yeah. know, reading, reading, we take our time, we, we joke, we discuss, it's, it's never quite the, the jump into the pool, not knowing if it's cold or hot, that, that movies or video games can be sometimes. It's true. So, you know, that's, that's why we do what we do. Unf and, I'm, and I'm glad we do what we do. Me too. Someone's got to do it. Unfortunately <laughs> for me, I have an extremely vivid and clear uh, imagination and the ability to conjure up very, very intense mental pictures. So I know exactly what Angela looks like. And that is going to upset me for quite uh. some time. I keep I keep thinking of the ugly model with the sharp teeth from Junji Ito's Ooh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, be yeah. beautiful woman short mm. where they're all like <laughs> where does she where does she go to to where does where does this beautiful model live oh in the middle of the woods in a lake <laughs> honestly me too <laughs> I love that shit like that episode oh of yeah Candle Siren same <laughs> that just aired <laughs> sorry. Totally. Yeah, it was great. What's better than a lady in a lake? A lady on the <laughs> stairs. Got him. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, Angela. Uh, Angela. Uh, I'm like. Any final words, Cannibal Siren? I I'm tempted to try to draw her, but then I will know exactly what she looks like, and I'll then have the a nightmare physical, will be real. <laughs> right, exactly. I'll have a physical representation, and then that's going to make me vomit. So I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to go to my kitchen and uh, have some Pretend. ice cream. Actually, 
pretend this didn't happen. Yeah, and I'm going to turn on all the lights, and it's fine. And I'm, I'm going to get a text from you on Saturday. When when can we finish the story? I'm going to be like, I'm tw- I'm going to I'm 26, and I'm in my apartment sleeping with all the lights on because I read a story that was a little too scary for me, and that's okay. That is okay. That's the, that's the message we do need to continue telling our listeners. Oh, I also apparently found out that I do have limits to the monsters all fuck, and it's Terry. Terry taught me that today. So oh, thank okay. you, Terry. You are you saying you wouldn't fuck the window cleaner? I, I don't think I could do it. I think I would draw the line. We draw the line at I skeletal window cleaner with voids for eyes and like extremely with sharp for teeth eyes and, and claws a, for hands and apparently a complete disregard for personal space. Yeah, which I don't care. Always for. wants to be up in your grill. Yeah, see, and I can't. I can't do that. I need. I need you. I, they got to play hard to get it first. <laughs> like that's just like too, Mr. He, Prentice. Right. He's exactly like you got to smash some stuff and like maybe run into a wall or something, and then I'm like nice, and then we're good to go. But if you're like in my face from the get go, creeped out immediately. <laughs> Sorry, homie. <laughs> I'm sure he's devastated at the. Away to the days. <laughs>